a playlist original. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson. What is up, my friend, after our post 100 episode high? Yeah. <laughs> Things that we finally hit it. Things have been calm the last week, took in some time to ourselves. It's been great. Really excited about today's episode, though. I uh, had a light wash now that the weight is off our shoulders. Episode 100 is behind us. I think this is a great, almost like first episode to get back into things with episode 101 because yeah, this yeah. movie is such an awesome classic, and I'm like very excited to talk about it today. So I'm thrilled. Yeah, this is a this is a good one to kind of like get back into as we talked about all the things we were excited for in episode 100, and there's mm-hmm. like so many things that we have planned episode wise, like in the future that we're, we're really the, excited. The ground running. Yeah, that we're really excited about and. This little anniversary, a lot of you, so many people were posting about it yesterday because it was the anniversary yesterday. We're recording today on right. Monday. Jurassic Park was released on June 11th, 1993. So it's 30 years old. I'd love seeing Ooh. everyone's posts on Twitter and Instagram, just yeah. ra- raving about uh, ra- raving about the movie. And then also depending on when they discovered it, either they saw it in theaters like I did when they were a kid and like remember oh, that God. feeling of it's seeing there. it. Yeah. And then our, you know, you caught it later in life. However you saw it, it's a movie that's magical to a lot of people. I think it is a really Absolutely. great, really great example of how Spielberg has this ability to kind of tap into the sense of adventure and childhood and it's so very associated with his movies. And I think this one has that aesthetic as well. Like, you know, in a different way to something like ET, but that kind of same kind of like, Oh, this is like what a true movie going experience should be like. And you're seeing something very groundbreaking for the very first time, but this movie was hugely groundbreaking in terms of effects and you know, practical effects as well animatronics and uh, all that too. Um, 30 years later it still looks better than a lot of movies that are pumping out you know these does. CGI uh, you know effects these days I think it still looks amazing 30 years later it does I would argue that there are scenes in Jurassic Park this is in 1993 that look better than anything some of the stuff they did in Jurassic World Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom yeah Jurassic World Dominion Can't argue and, with like, that. Yeah. Uh, and I know we're not going to talk about the sequels too too much but I will say that it's interesting that we got this one really great movie. I know Spielberg mm-hmm. is responsible for the sequel, which I I don't love The Lost World, and probably okay. because there's probably because there's so much like I, mean, I even remember being that young how much hype there was for The Lost World because like, oh we're getting a, a sequel this yeah and I mean it's it gets better like with age I think I can appreciate things about it more now it just doesn't have the same like feel as the First one, but I guess because you've seen all the stuff. I replicate the first one. Yeah. Right. And then you and know, you're missing Jurassic... a lot of that cast. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jurassic Park 3. I mean, I give it credit for at least being short and sweet and to the point. <laughs> oh, there's that. <laughs> yeah. There. Now, there's some cool now sequences also... in that movie. I think yeah. it gets a lot of hate, but I, it's not terrible. I don't think it's definitely, yeah. not, I don't think it holds a candle to the first one and maybe not so much the second one either, but. I still think it's fun time. I've watched it a handful of times. It's a, it's a lean 90 minutes. It's like, it's crazy yep. how like they did not make that, but they were like, okay, Lost World was too long. There was too much filler. So let's just like cut, you know, any real narrative and just mm-hmm. show you some like dinosaur action. And that's what that movie yeah. is and cool. And as far as At the new trilogy, was trying to do. the new trilogy, I think Jurassic World is the closest to recapturing what Jurassic Park Agreed. Was. I honestly like Jurassic World for all I its faults. I think it's a good, good spiritual sequel down I, the I, yeah. sequel. 
Yeah. Second one I, is uh, is a, yeah. a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. There's things I like about it and a lot of good ideas that just don't get executed well. And yeah. I've yet to see Dominion because I've just been so turned off by all the negative oh, press around that movie. But I will so see it probably because I can't help myself. But there's just such a golden opportunity down the toilet with that movie. It sucks that they wasted that. But I know yeah. I hear exactly what you just said. That's terrible. <laughs> by the way, and wasted it right away. They didn't even like they it, they were like, no, nah, remember that cool thing? Yeah, the gates, eh? Yeah, that cool thing that happened at the end of Fallen Kingdom. Dang. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Sorry, guys. What a shame. I remember when we saw Fallen Kingdom. When we saw Fallen Kingdom, my buddy next to me was just like, it was, I think, the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie. He's like, why did this turn into like a horror movie all of a sudden? It's almost like a, they're like in this big giant house. It's almost got this kind of like haunted house vibe, the That's way that like the, the great, stuff shot. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's two very different movies that work here and they both don't work. But yeah, but at least Jurassic Park, 1993. Just about everything works in this movie, at least for me. Uh, Just having come off the watch, I don't think there's a single complaint I really had about this movie. Like, it was so joyous and fun to have sat back down and watched this again. It hadn't been that long since I'd seen it last, but it still feels like watching it for the first time every time you see, like, especially that Brachiosaurus scene near the beginning, the first dinosaur they lay eyes on. Not gonna lie, it brought tears to my eyes. It's like the pure movie magic, and I was like, man, this looks so amazing. And the music. Oh, it's such a, yeah, exactly. Howard Shore kills it. No, John Williams. John Williams. No, John Williams. John Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Williams score. <laughs> that John Williams score is like amazing. And and John Williams, this guy was doing composing music for this and Schindler's List. This is all going on around the same time. And so is Spielberg. Well, Spielberg is the same year, right? Year. Yeah. Spielberg is on post on Jurassic Park while he's doing Schindler's List. So he's doing like filming Schindler's List and then getting all this like video stuff for Jurassic Park. And he said oh, it was his most so difficult year as a filmmaker, but like it paid off. So uh, so even hearing that from him, it's hard to believe because I was just looking, just tallying this up before we filmed. He yeah. had five different years where he's released two movies in the same year. Like the guy doesn't sleep. He's an absolute animal as a director just a workhorse so this is what this was i think the first no the second time that he'd released two pictures in one year with uh, schindler's list and jurassic park but he did it again and uh he did it again in 2002 with minority report and catch me if you can if you can yeah three years later and yeah which another like two amazing movies of his in the 2000s his 2000s are awesome every decade of many movies is fantastic but then 2005 he did munich and war of the worlds 2011 adventures of tintin and warhorse and i think he did amistad and this the sequel to this movie in 1997 like five years yeah. of two movies that is not it's, it's crazy an easy thing to do and if you believe hollywood legend he might have also did it with et and poltergeist because there's that big rumor that yes uh, to- yes <laughs> yes toby hooper directed, directed poltergeist but apparently spielberg was very involved yeah but he was busy doing et but apparently still very right. involved with the creative process behind Poltergeist. There's a lot of back and forth on like <laughs> who directed it. I think it's just a funny thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it 100% <laughs> feels like the it has all the dynamics of a Spielberg movie. And I've only ever seen Texas Chainsaw by Toby Hooper. But yeah. this movie does not feel like anything that I've seen him do before. It feels like it's got Steve's fingerprints all over it so that's a good point i'm glad you mentioned that i I didn't realize those came out the same year but yeah yeah my buddy chris back in the day when he always like has spielberg ever done like like a like a a horror film and he goes yeah poltergeist i believe that he directed (laughs) i he's like all right (laughs) i I think he should yeah i think he should definitely get shadow credit but 
honestly, on that note, I totally think there are a lot of horror elements in this movie. It's a monster oh, movie sure. at heart when you think about yeah. it. A lot of great tension and, and horror horrific scenes in it. Yeah. It feels like the most like his horror movie beyond Poltergeist. And per- apparently toned down a lot from Michael Crichton's book. Apparently the book, there's a lot of gory. Oh gory or stuff in shame. it um but i mean this i guess it's not in his element <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not really his it's thing it's a family right? name. <laughs> but yeah i it was i was interesting just doing research for the episode and i was like i wonder how much of the book is in here and michael Crichton said that the script is maybe like 15 20 percent of what the book was which is like that's all that's oh, a whole lot wow. that's a whole lot that's not like there's certain character relationships that change there was more explanation as to how like the whole science behind bringing the dinosaurs back, yes. which they, which they actually just cleverly do in that one scene with all the animation. And you're like, all right, that's all I need. <laughs> that's all I, that's all the explanation. I think it honestly works. They don't waste too much time on the, the shit that no one's going to really understand. And they do it. They, you know, explain everything. I think in layman's terms, like quite well, so they yeah. have a sense of like what's going on, how they were able to do this. But I think they spent just the right amount of time on all the genome stuff. Yeah. The biology well, behind the dinosaurs. Well, uh, as you know, guys, we've been doing a few little draft things or some of our episodes lately. It's been well received so far. So it was Jackson's idea to do a little special one for our boy Steven Spielberg because, I mean, it's a milestone anniversary for a really great film by a director who's made countless great movies. I mean, even when you were just naming off some of the films where he had like two a year, some of those are some of his great movies as well. Absolutely. And And just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So before we get into like the ins and outs of the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, we're going to do a little snake draft, Steven Spielberg edition. I feel like this is going to be a really hard one because there's so many good movies. I'm sure we have some of the same ones and I'm going to have to do a lot of crossing off and deleting all my notes in my iPhone here. That's where I have the movies. No doubt. (laughs) It's lucky with, it's kind of like with Martin Scorsese. It's like, even if like all movies that you wanted to pick in this draft are taken, like he's got so many other amazing films to choose from. But yeah, I just felt like, I know that this guy has so many movies. I'm sure no doubt we'll be chatting about Steven Spielberg again in the, in the future of the podcast, but might not get the chance to really, you know, highlight his filmography. So I thought with in honor of today's episode, it would be a good time to pay homage to, to his filmography. And I thought a draft would be a good way to respect that, but I will give you the honors of starting first. So who's your number one pick? Thank what? you for letting <laughs> me go first. And I honestly go- don't know where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with this one because Despite All what right. Owen says, what Owen says about love for this movie and how if I could watch one movie over and over again for the rest of my life, and I picked this one and I got made fun of for it by him, I'm what? claiming what? I'm, oh, I'm, Owen. Yeah, yeah, I'm claiming ET right now first because I love oh, it. Oh, right. Huge, okay. When you said this yeah. one, I thought you were going Jurassic Park. Okay. Oh, no, I remember you saying this now. Oh, I thought okay. about taking that first. I thought about taking it. First. I thought so too. Okay. I think I need. I mean, I grew up with both of them, but I need E.T. I just need it. Sure enough, 100%. <laughs> Did I tell you that I had not really seen it front to front to back before? What? So you've only seen, like, <laughs> scenes? Man, this is up there. With- like, when I was a kid, it would have been on cable television, but I can't honestly say that I've sat down and watched this movie, E.T., front to start. So that is, like, very, very high on my list. There's too many movies out there, guys. But yeah, great, great pick. True. I knew it was going to be picked. Just yeah. a matter of when, but... I wanted to. I, I feel like if this wasn't, if we weren't covering Jurassic Park, I probably would have just started with this movie as my number one pick. But I'm gonna go and take Saving Private Ryan my number one pick. Like, I'm gonna have to cross phenomenal, <laughs> one, <laughs> one of the best to ever do it. It's being currently del- <laughs> um, deleted from my list because I was on. Sorry about that. that Honestly, was- it's funny because like this movie, this is like I didn't even consider this one when I was 
picking all my five. I had to go through his filmography. I'm like, I know I'm forgetting some some Spielberg bangers in here. I was like, oh my God, how could I not have thought about Saving Private Ryan? And sure enough, it's my first pick. So sorry about that. Well, I mean, since you're not taking Jurassic Park, I will take Jurassic Park. <laughs> not a not <laughs> long choice. I will take Jurassic Park. I would have liked to have that. Up, sure there, with my, up there with my E.T. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> kind of in, this, in the same vein of like science fiction, because that's very much what this movie is. Yeah, yeah. I recently saw his AI artificial intelligence for the first time. That's a great movie. Uh, late last year. Oh my god! It's it's literally just futuristic Pinocchio. Yeah, but that's a hit. Such... That's a hit or miss one with a lot of people. People either really love really? it or they're like, yeah, I love it. One yeah. of the most profoundly emotional movies I think I've seen in a very it's long a time. Great, it's yeah. struck a chord, and I was like just very moved by it. And I yeah. can say I actually absolutely love that movie. So AI. If you haven't seen it, guys, very worth. I think it was like, if not his first, one of his first movies in the two thousands that he made. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it was a wasn't special. a huge wasn't a huge hit either. It got mixed reviews too when it came out. I mean, and there was the whole it, the whole thing with like you know Stanley Kubrick started that or wanted to make that was, movie and and there was a lot of so there's I'm glad you, you said could that. Tell, you could tell there's a little bit of both of them in it. Um, yes, which is just but, a dynamite match. I love that. Yeah, but yeah, I actually love that movie a lot too. So. It was really awesome. So yeah, all right. Good on you. So I am going to take another one, even though it's not the best reviewed movie of his. And he actually doesn't even think it's great, but it has so many fans out there that do love it. I'm taking Hook. Okay. A lot of people. Interesting. Um, it's very rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. It has a really rotten, rotten score. But like, it's one of I those have movies. I have feeling about this movie, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's a fan favorite, and like all the fans are just like when they hear him talk about how he doesn't really like it either. We're like, oh, but really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's I think I don't think it came together the way he wanted. But like for so many people that like grew up with that movie, it's pretty mm. much damn near perfect. I don't mean I don't I don't know what he. I mean, exactly Robin Williams like. and Steven Spielberg, like that is phenomenal pairing. I don't know how that movie could have gone any other way. It's I'd like to know the ins and outs behind the scenes of what he thinks went wrong and that flick but i got i haven't seen hook but so i, I think no, you would like no i think you would like it's it's, it's definitely fun oh, I'm, it's definitely I'm sure fun. i would i'm sure i have a feeling it's very much like adventure like very much like akin to like his his indie movie yeah. movies yeah if i were to guess but yeah okay good pick i wouldn't have thought of that i didn't have that one written down because i haven't seen it but one i'm happy to snag in my number three spot one i've only seen once by him that i'm very keen on rewatching is munich his 2005 oh, I, I did not have that one espionage revenge movie yeah. Haven't seen? No, I have seen it. I just didn't have it. I didn't have it on my list. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. Number three, going with Munich. I would really like to see that one again. That is a lengthy Spielberg movie. I mean, many of his hours, but that yeah. is, that is a, you got to sit down and dedicate a lot of time to that one, but fantastic. Eric Bannon, the lead, lots of love. Yeah, really good. I am going to, because when Owen brought it up on his movies to get, we brought it up a little bit on the movies to get to know me thing, where he said, like, he talked about Arrival and he said this other movie used to be like, one of his top movies as well. Catch Me If You okay. Can is like a huge uh, one. I remember seeing it in theaters around like the Christmas holiday. It was around the time it came out. And it was just like right away. I just loved everything about it. Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. Tom Hanks is great in it. Christopher yep. Walken gives gives a very like subdued for him performance. That's like really, really good. Very uh, true. I just love the way the film looks like you feel the era when you're watching it. Yes, you do. And I think it's just a good example of like how he can direct so many different types of movies. Like I, he, he can bounce from so many different genres without missing a beat. So yeah, I have to. I mean, he can. Very eclectic director. Honestly, like my experience with Catch Me If You Can is very weird. Like 
all like it's one of those movies by a very acclaimed film director but like that most of like my casual movie going friends like very much adore and i feel like first time i saw it i felt like i was missing out on what made that movie so special but over the years having seen it as many times as i have now i've come to really adore and appreciate that movie but yeah. i wasn't in on it 100 initially i don't know what i was missing oh, okay. has everything that i'd love in a movie it's spielberg it's leo who's my absolute favorite but yeah. you know i definitely see why that movie is so beloved now but i remember feeling like i know so many people love this movie but like i liked it but anyway definitely one that's yeah. grown on me over time yeah for sure can't explain why but great one to snag i cannot believe this has gone this far but in my four spot i gotta go with raiders of the lost eric <laughs> i didn't have it you know it, it was a i didn't put any indiana jones movies and i surprised they didn't I, it's weird I figured, to think I figured, that, right? yeah i mean this just means that he's made so many movies <laughs> it was just like exactly. uh, yeah. like when you've made so many movies that like even the indiana jones don't come up on the list yeah. that says something about how many movies you put out but i mean nothing to say about the movie that hasn't been said and bond one of the greatest feel-good adventure series of all time and it's kind of a yeah. shame how it you know progressed over time but that first one is very special so yeah. raiders baby all the way there you go I, i've always been partial to temple of doom i always like the dark ones a little bit that one's like the darkest of the oh, 100 as far as as far Sound as tone, like you know, like, there. yeah yeah like, like that yeah. one is like there's a lot of stuff that's not really if you're watching it as a kid you're like oh i probably shouldn't be watching that but the climax of that movie is like probably scarring to kids yeah like but i've always always kind of enjoyed that one a lot um oh well speaking of speaking of things that might terrify you when you're young i have to go with jaws and snag it up i just love the the approach of less is more even though less is more happened by accident because you know the mechanics they really work a lot but happy accident happy accident you work with what you got and he really did in a really fantastic way it still holds up i think too i think it's a really well done movie and he was what like 23 making that young, 22 young. like yeah very impressive working and with some greats solidified him as a kind of blockbuster director too i think we have a episode in the future about kind of like the summer box office season because jaws is yes. anniversary it's come it's not like a milestone anniversary but it's an anniversary and that all right you know, for a lot for a lot of people that really for at least industry people say that really kicked off what we would call like the summer the blockbuster, blockbuster movie. Like, absolutely. Movie. Yeah, and it's that has evolved, of course, evolved over time with other movies that really changed how movies are marketed during the summer. Batman 89 is another really great example of how they took merchandising and all that during that summer and promoted uh, the, the hell out of that movie to make it a true summer blockbuster. But yeah, Jaws was mm -hmm. the first, arguably. And yeah, we talked. Yeah, we were just talking about earlier how he's never really made like a unless you count Poltergeist, a straight horror film. But like <laughs> Jaws has a lot of elements of horror in it, like much like Jurassic Park does too. I mean, so clearly, yeah. if he ever if he ever wanted to make a very very scary movie, I think he probably could. I think he'd have it in a more like maybe in his like younger days. I feel like decades of making mostly like family oriented movies. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think he could do it now. I don't think he could do it now. At a yeah. point, I think that guy would have been a great horror director. It's a shame we never got a straight up horror movie from him, but. Even Poltergeist, if, you, if say that's him, very much a product of its time. I think right. a lot of studio interference. It doesn't really like stand on its legs all the time and really go where it really could go. But still, a fantastic horror director. Yes. Not surprised. I'm glad Jaws was was chosen on this list, even if I didn't get it. Uh, and my last pick, I really man, I really want to go. Have you seen his TV movie debut, with Duel? Duel, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Duel I, because really... a lot of people that movie Joyride that came with Paul Walker. 
a lot of people will compare Joyride to Duel, and they say it's not not really so much like a ripoff, but they say it's kind of like the same almost DNA as Duel. So I did watch Duel because of that because I had never seen it, and it is good. It's solid. It's a solid. Phenomenal. I guess thriller, right? I guess it would be a thriller. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Highway thriller, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's kind of honestly kind of like a killer movie. But I wanted to shout that movie out, even though I'm not going to take it in my five spot. I just think if definitely Spielberg fans should watch that. Like, even for me, I'm guilty for years. I was like, oh, it's not one of his real, like, movies. But technically, it's his debut, and I was kind of being partial to it. But although it's a TV movie, I'd say, like, he directs it, like, amazingly, especially as young as he was. But I think I may as well just slow throw in Schindler's List in number five because that movie is in a league of its own, even in terms of Spielberg's movies, and, like, a very hefty, hard watch, but one that's very important yeah. and, like, super well-done by him and one that I yep. also find myself really wanting to rewatch too and the great performance by Liam Neeson as well and probably his greatest I'd say yeah I'll be honest but, with you man uh, it's been years since I watched like I haven't watched it in such a long time I probably am long overdue it's a hard one to watch yeah. so it's, it's hard to like it is a, it's, it's it's hard to just take a physical in. toll on you to watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, what am I gonna watch today yeah yeah Casual, Casual Sunday. Yeah. Movie. yeah holy smokes it demands a lot of the viewer but definitely an impressive piece of filmmaking and just i think if a director made just that movie alone it would cause enough for them to stand out amongst the greats but that's just a drop in the bucket of all the movies he's made and we're of course leaving off tons of other fantastic movies but yeah i was just glad we got that i'm glad we did that too but i was just thinking about that through everyone listening there are so many movies that we didn't even name that are just really really great and it's just a testament of like how amazing this guy is as a filmmaker like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I love Minority Report. That was I like, like I didn't put it on. I'm going back and forth about putting it on on my list. Same right. thing with Close. I haven't seen it yet, so I couldn't. Same thing with Close Encounters. I'm really um, so so someone out there is going to be like, bro, you put Hook on there. You could probably replace it with something else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, obviously, if you love that movie, then all the power to you. Yeah, I um, do, man. I just saw Bridge I, of Spies for the first time last week, actually, and like really enjoyed that one. You know what other movie I liked? It's a good movie too. There's some good performances in that. I and I think I Absolutely. liked it because like I grew up reading the books and I used to watch the cartoon when I was a kid. But The Adventures of Tintin, if you were if you grew up with that, it is actually not a bad movie. He did that too. Oh okay. Uh, it's I did not know that was based on anything else. Yeah, it's solid if you like followed. I used to love the books. They're like really fun little like mystery books. Oh, um, okay. And like the cartoon, I used to watch a lot when I was a kid too. And you can just tell that Spielberg, he was a fan of Tintin, and you can tell when you're watching it that this is being made oh, okay. by a fan of the source material. And I love Ready Player One, if you're talking like other recent movies by him. Like, 100%. That would be know, a great one. So, I mean, he was born to make that movie. <laughs> like, who else would uh, do that? Was. But yeah, that's, the, that's the cool thing about doing this, that for this one in particular, I mean, I, Scorsese was hard, too, because he has a lot of good movies, but like Spielberg has... Right a ton of like you either can go real mainstream popcorn blockbuster entertainment with him or like prestige yep. filmmaking with him so so man really does it all everything and god i mean if you got into all the stuff he produces like he has his hand in so oh many oh my god that's different way pot. too many <laughs> like yeah. the guy never saw throws money at stuff yeah and this is just a guy who loves making movies and you can tell uh that yeah and everything I hope he never he stops <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, like the last movie for him from that we get from him is gonna be a this will be a sad day if that's like the last one. I will if they're it still good. If they're still good, keep cranking them out, Spielberg, because you are one of our best filmmakers yeah. still living today. Born, so. born to do it, and just is so like 
transparent with his love of the industry and, and the art of movie making that I wouldn't care what he did. I would I would definitely no doubt watch it. And I hope he's pumping them out until the day he's gone because that yeah, guy was brilliant. I agree. It. But uh, our, yeah, I'm glad right. we did that. Moving that was on, fun. Now. Yeah, that was sure. a blast. Yeah, Love so this Steve. was good. We got to we got to throw in some Steve stuff to go along with our 30th anniversary chat about Jurassic Park. Uh, it feels weird to say for those of you that don't know what the movie's about, but just in case you've never seen it, <laughs> uh, just, just in case we might have some young yeah. listeners that maybe didn't grow up with this, but highly recommend seeing this. But just yeah. take it away. 1993 American science fiction film directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by Kathleen Kennedy, which surprised me because every time I see that name, it's so associated with Star Wars now. I forgot that she was right. like involved at all in this kind of stuff. A lot and of his it, earlier works. Yeah. yeah. It is based on Michael Crichton's 1990 novel of the same name with a screenplay by Crichton and David, is it Co-op or Cope? I think it's Cope. K-O-E-P-P. I just want to make sure I got that right. The film stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Richard, Richard Attenborough. And of course, there's two precocious kids in the movie as well, who I will love to talk about uh, in yes. uh, a few moments here. But in the film, a wealthy a wealthy businessman played by John Hammond and play, who, John Hammond played by Attenborough and a team of genetic scientists have created a wildlife park of de-extinct dinosaurs when industrial sabotage leads to a catastrophic shutdown of the park's power facilities and security precautions a small group of visitors including Hammond's grandchildren struggle to survive and escape the now perilous island that Jurassic Park is on as we said earlier the film opened on uh, June 11th 1993 at the time that it came out it was the highest grossing movie of all time until Titanic was released in 1997 and wow. for and it had the biggest opening weekend for a film 50.1 million dollars opening weekend that's that was the biggest opening weekend for a film up to that point it was dethroned two years later by Batman Forever of all movies uh, the film won over 20 awards, including three Academy Awards for technical achievements in visual effects and sound design. And in yeah, 2018, it'd be, be a crime. Yeah. In 2018, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry for the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And like we mentioned earlier, the film has five sequels, The Lost World Jurassic Park released in 97, Jurassic Park 3 in 2001, Jurassic World 2015, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom 2018, and the most recently released Jurassic World Dominion in 2022 so this is gonna be interesting so we always ask each other like when did we first discover yes uh, these movies i think we're gonna have different answers here <laughs> no doubt you know. mine uh, no doubt uh, nearly as exciting as i'm sure you mentioned that you saw it in theaters so tell us about what that experience would have been like i so, so wish i was there. i'm five years late but yeah i mean it was so what i remember the most about being a kid when the, before this movie came out i remember the marketing really well the trailers and okay. like TV spots, the trailers and TV spots actually did a really good job of not showing too much of the dinosaur stuff. They showed you enough to get you excited, which has kind of been, okay. it's been his motif since like Jaws, right? Since that happy accident with Jaws is like, you know, don't show them everything. Don't show them all the money shots. You don't have to. Right. So a lot of the trailers these new how to be marketed. Yeah. So a lot of the trailers are just like the ominous, you know, the water shaking for like the heart, you know, the mm. T-Rexes, like footsteps is all that stuff. And I remember my mom took me and a friend to go see when we were, so we were, God, that was, that was 93. So 10 or 11, somewhere around there. Okay. And, and wasn't expecting to be frightened by it. So that threw 
my mom off when she took us to see it because I don't think she was <laughs> expecting us to be frightened by it because you know right. the beginning of it is so like it, it's like an hour into the movie before any dinosaur action happens I mean you see what you like yeah. you said the brachiosaurus and all that but like before anything goes before shit gets cray it's an hour into the <laughs> movie when that happens so like the beginning start of it it's kind of like this really cool fun adventure kind of thing like it gets you in the mood like oh yeah yeah, I feel like you want to be there, kind of like experience. Absolutely, I feel um, jealous of these characters that are experiencing this. But until like, you don't. <laughs> once the whole the first attack, the T Rex thing happened, I remember being me and my buddy were afraid when that stuff happened because it's a truly scary sequence. And then thinking like, you know, it can't get much worse. And then you get to the whole sequence with <laughs> the Velociraptors, and that's even worse <laughs> than the T Rex yeah. stuff. Uh, but still, even though there was a mix of being like frightened by it. There was also this, like you said, there's like a sense of adventure attached to the movie too. And, you know, when you're, I don't know if you were like this when you were young. I used to love learning about dinosaurs when I was a kid. Um, so to actually- I was into them, but I never went out of my way, but they fascinated yeah. me, no doubt. So to actually see, I mean, the fact, I mean, he gets a lot of credit for it. I mean, they talk about it all the time, but he pretty much in a really real way brought dinosaurs back to life. I mean, that is, it feels like, hey, this is what this would be like if someone decided to open a park like this and you know of course we're basing 100%. what we, we we're basing what we know of dinosaurs based on like fossils and all this other stuff but like this is the image that we have in our heads of what they might look like and he brought yes. that to life in such a real way that it's still 30 years later truly groundbreaking and i remember being a kid being amazed that like i think this is what this would be if like they were still <laughs> roaming the earth right now right yeah and that is something that doesn't go away even years later when you're watching it. I'm watching it today. Not even a little bit. Yeah. It's the same feeling today. Like, I mean, Absolutely. it looks, it looks better than most movies that came out a few years ago or, you know, this year or it's like whatever. It's truly movie magic <laughs> on display. I, I cannot understand how something produced back when it was looks so convincing and so you're even like trying to look for like the anomalies or like looking to see especially once you have a keen eye for noticing this sort of thing where yeah. can you notice that this is an animatronic it's a perfect blend of i'm assuming a little bit of cgi and the animatronics and the practical effects but it is done so masterfully it looks so yeah. amazing like watching that first t-rex attack scene i my mouth was so wide open in this big goofy grin i was like just so in awe at this scene 30 years later, how amazing it looked. I felt like a kid again. Dude, and so on awesome. Surround sound, I like cranked it up. I was like, cranked oh, it all the way up. And I mean, you can hear stuff behind <laughs> you. That you probably, like, so like, oh, that's so cool. And <laughs> yeah, like even in that scene alone, you can, I mean, you're going from what, you know, animatronics clearly were like, you see it like eating like the goat. And that that's yes. clearly animatronic, right? But then when it steps out, then, you know, right. that's a special effect, but it's mixed in with like, different parts of the scene where it bounces back and forth between yes. what is clearly a computer generated effect and then something that's an animatronic thing to the point where it blends so well together that you just think that you're looking at Seamlessly. something real it's seamless yeah. and might as well scene, be a documentary it looks so yeah, real <laughs> that scene alone captures that so really so well and yeah that was the kind of sense i had for it when i was a kid and i've loved it ever since uh i owned it on vhs i've owned it on dvd i have it on blu-ray nice. i have all i have all of them on blu-ray i mean i may not love all of them but i have all of them on blu-ray because right. you know completely it's nice to have them all yeah <laughs> yeah but this 
this one, nothing. I mean, like I said, I think Jurassic World is the closest to kind of recapturing that. And I say that very, like, it's still far away. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's still far away. But, it's like a um, distant second cousin to Jurassic Park, but like, it's in the family. Yeah, but Spielberg clearly struck gold with this in 1993. Just proof that he had still had so much. I mean, he was just still given a lot as a filmmaker and could still break the, you know, you're, it's 1993. And I know, like, of course, there's filmmaking is expanding all that around that time. But, you know, this was someone that was doing things with, like, like you said, computer effects, animatronics, sound design. Like, I mean, the creation of DTS comes from this, which is, you know, you wanted that for surround sound formats and all that for the film. Okay. There's a lot of, like, innovation here that, like, I think, some might take for, take for granted if they don't really know. But this movie broke so many, just broke down so many walls as far as what you can do on screen and have it look fairly realistic without making it seem like you are watching what looks like a special effect. And absolutely. And you're patting our boy on the back a lot, but I mean, that's this, this is, this is, I think this, is him, this is him at, you know, his very best. Yes, firing on all cylinders. Cylinders, yeah. Pure Steven Spielberg magic. Yeah. Oh, what about you, buddy? When um, did you first uh, discover it? It's it's one of those ones like where this movie had been out quite popular before I was even around. I was exposed to this movie much earlier than I can probably even before I even have memories of it. So I don't, yeah. I can't quite say that I know for sure when I first saw it, but it was very present in my life. Like just growing up in the 2000s as a young kid, everyone knew what Jurassic Park was. It was the first two and three movies as far as I know other than maybe like some appearances in like the 30s King Kong I don't think we'd seen dinosaurs on screen at least not in this capacity like like we did like this like this was so as a kid growing up in the 2000s this was the ultimate dinosaur this these were the dinosaur movies this is what every kid that was even moderately enjoyed to were fascinated by dinosaurs this was their bible this was their text for yeah. what they looked like, what they sounded like, as you mentioned. So it was that was just very present in any kid's life at that at that time. So I don't know when I first saw it, but over the years, like getting into into movies and film and developing an appreciation, it was one that was always top of mind that I had seen every so often, find new things to enjoy and appreciate and just marvel at while watching it. So I've seen it many, many times over the years. I would have liked to have been like to have noticed and recognized when my first experience of it would have been, because definitely I saw it young enough that I wouldn't have had like the appreciation for what I was watching. This is just what movies could do when I was right. a kid, but very envious of anybody who could have seen this in theaters for the first time, especially at that, that age you would have seen yeah. it. That would have just been chef's kiss. Yeah, probably it's, it's... I probably would have like died in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> probably one of my best experiences, like as a child seeing a movie. I mean, I it's, it's, you know, you remember, you really, with a movie like this, you really remember if you're old enough to remember yeah. Uh, you really remember that moment and what it was like seeing something like that on the big screen for the very first time. It it's truly I can uh, imagine a really uh, <laughs> feels real. I would say life changing experience. Like as a kid, a kid watching something like that, on the, you've never seen something well, like yeah. that on the screen before. Nope. Uh, and you know, I even being that young, I just I even remember the chatter of like from reviews or people like you know stuff them covering it on TV and all that and everyone being like this is something we haven't seen before <laughs> this is like really unique and right. of course leave it to Steven Spielberg to be the one to do it but he really wanted to do this I mean he wanted he wanted a piece of Michael Crichton's book 
I think in 1989, yeah. 1990, like he knew he was writing something like this and he was like, all right. Okay. Cool. And 1990, he was like, I want the rights to this. And he fought with some, I think Tim Burton was another one that wanted shot at it. Wow. I was looking at a few other directors too. Uh, yeah. Tim Burton, Warner Brothers and Tim Burton wanted it. Columbia Pictures and Richard Donner wanted it. And 20th Century Fox and Joe Dante wanted it too. Joe Dante, okay. of course, did like Gremlins and Richard Donner. Gremlins with Spielberg, Lethal, yeah. Yeah, then Richard Donner did Lethal Weapon and the Goonies. Uh, so, and Tim Burton, I mean, they all would be interesting choices. I, I see them all yeah, tackling it. See what they would have done with it. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Spielberg really, really wanted it. And Michael Crichton demanded $1.5 million for the film rights. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess oh it's 19. I guess it's like 1990. So, so I guess I was like, in hindsight, though, he was sitting on a gold mine. I cannot believe he only let it go for one and a half million dollars. That is insane. Yeah. And uh, for him. And then after completing Hook, actually, Spielberg wanted to immediately work on Schindler's List, but they kind of came to a compromise like, okay, like you can do both, but we want you to do Jurassic Park first because, of course, that's the. Uh, that will be the money maker as and that, that's what they're thinking yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, he said that he wanted to make, he said by choosing a creature driven thriller, he wanted to try to make a good sequel to Jaws on land. That's how he kind of looked at it. And he also okay. kind of, and he, like you said, he cited like Godzilla and like King Kong and stuff like that as inspirations as well. And, uh, and then he said during production, Spielberg described Godzilla as the most masterful of all the dinosaur movies because it made him and viewers believe it was really happening, which is what he ends up doing with this movie on his own. So it is amazing to, uh, for him to like, you know, I had, he had that moment with the film with like Godzilla and he's now doing that himself in yes. you know, 1990, 1992 when they cool, were filming cool the movie. To hear that those, yeah. Cool to hear that. Those were his inspirations because, like, now hearing, I'd never heard him say that he was inspired by those movies, but you can totally see the imprint of those movies in Jurassic Park. So, so, like, that's very fascinating. I'm not surprised to hear it, but interesting, no doubt. Yeah. So, also, Michael Craig, he did sell the rights for $1.5 million, but he was also paid a further $500,000 to adapt his own novel. And, could, and he had finished it by the time Spielberg was doing Hook. And then they had people come in and do rewrites. David Coop was a co-writer of Death Becomes Her. He came in and did a rewrite. And pretty much most of what we see on the screen is from him. There is, like I said earlier, I think Michael Crichton, there's a little bit of stuff that's still character-wise a little bit that's there. But okay. it was a uh, major rewrite a little bit. But I don't think, I think from what I heard, Michael Crichton is fine with how it turned out on the screen because he thinks from, okay. from a movie that's standpoint, good. from a movie standpoint, he thinks that the story that they were telling and, you know, cause they have to cut certain things out. Certain things work better in book form than they do on, you know, on a, in a movie. Yes. So he, he actually wasn't, uh, you know, too perplexed by any of the changes and all that. So I that's don't good. imagine, you know, <laughs> considering like the success and popularity of that movie and being credited as the screenwriter for it. Like I hard to imagine being upset about how it all turned out, even if it's very different from the book, but that actually makes me, I didn't realize how different from the book it was. I knew that there was, you know, discrepancies and I didn't realize that he also wrote the screenplay. I assume this is like a straight up, like something he, he bought the rights for and then adapted himself. But knowing that no. I would love to check out the book sometime. Cause, cause the movie um, is like a plus, but the book I think would be a really good. Read so too. Ty, Ty messaged me. Cause he was like, Oh, I really want to get back on soon again. And I was like, Oh, like do any of the yep. anniversary episodes like interest you? And he's like, Oh, Jurassic Park sounds cool. So I was like, Oh, we're recording that tonight. And he couldn't do it, but apparently he's a big fan of the book. So like he, oh, okay. uh, he, so he knows the, 
that book and the lost world he has read both of them and i've never actually read either one of the books so i can't really i only can tell you what i researched and like what was kind of changed right. i know gore being like a big there i mean i guess the gore was a big thing that was toned down in this that's Which i think it, one thing that tim burton would have done a really good job well with. yeah He's not afraid especially in his 90s and 80s he was not afraid to show the gore so i think that would have been cool but... oh yeah he would have been all about it especially after like he did Batman Returns in '92. He already knew he was doing weird mainstream stuff. So, like, yeah, he would have totally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he totally would have done it. All right, let's talk some of our uh, characters to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what you think of some of these guys. Sam Neill, of course, plays Dr. Alan Grant. Laura Dern plays Dr. Ellie Sattler. Jeff Goldblum, the man. Dr. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure Attenborough plays Dr. John Hammond. And we have the kids, I didn't name them earlier, but Joseph Mazzillo plays Tim Murphy and Ariana Richards plays Lex Murphy. Even got Samuel L. Jackson as Ray Arnold for good measure and uh, Wayne yes. Knight. Uh, you know what, I, when I was watching it today, in movies like this, this was made, you guys, you guys should kind of see it in some movies now. I think Jurassic World did a decent job of like, okay, I like Chris Pratt and I like Bryce Dallas Howard. So I think they did a good job of like, yeah. Yeah, we know we care about the dino stuff more, but I want to be able to care about like the living human breathing people that are in this movie too, which is, you know, yes. we've run into we've run into that problem with some of the recent like Godzilla Monsterverse movies where it's like, oh wait, do we really care about the humans in this or do I really care about right. like, the other stuff? Finding that balance makes or breaks your monster movie hundred percent right. of the time. So I think this movie does a really good job of finding that balance. I think you learn hundred percent agreed enough about all of them to really care about their and it's not like their arcs are like incredibly like you know like overblown or like hard to come by no nope. like they're so like you know like get that dr alan grant is you know they bring up the whole thing about him and kids you can tell like he's a begrudging about children and yes. he, and he doesn't really want especially when the grant when the grant kids do show up he's like not too thrilled about that but that, again, of course <laughs> he's kind of like get out of like Tim's way he's trying to, he's like asking Tim he's like what vehicle do you plan on going in yeah, he's trying yeah. to avoid these questions he goes whatever one you're going in like that impacts <laughs> me up like yeah. I love and for that reason alone like how he ends up having to like basically like, protect the kids throughout the movie after everything goes to hell yeah I, I'd say like Sam Neill's character's arc is like my favorite because that, I think they do a great job at introducing this like quirky little trait of his character how he's not too big on kids they should have great groundwork in some conversations that he has with Laura Dern earlier in the movie to kind of insinuate yeah. he's not huge on kids and then to be thrust into the situation where he is now their caregiver and develops this bond with them I think is just yeah. like awesome writing it just does everything it hits those beats and makes you care for them the kids interestingly yeah. enough reminded me just watching today they have a very same path as a child performance that I find in the Bubba Duke where I first have this movie I cannot fucking stand this kid as yeah, a character yeah. the actor does a great job yeah then by the time you know the movie flips the second half comes around you're rooting for him and you're like enjoying yeah. the performance a little bit more the kids in this movie in jurassic park i feel have a similar trajectory for me where like i find them just annoying the, beginning. the beginning and then after they're thrust together after the t-rex attack and they're kind of learning about the dinosaurs and alan grant's showing them the ropes yeah, yeah. a lot more and then they kind of have to do some fending off for themselves and thinking for themselves they grow on you so it's interesting i kind of love and hate them at the same time but I have the, I'm the, the, same boat, you know? the same boat. You know uh, what I'm saying? They, they, yeah. they start off pretty like annoyingly precocious, unbearable, and, like, <laughs> unbearable. <laughs> yes. And I love the T-Rex scene, right? But there's just so many things. Like you know, of course, she turns the light on, and I know she. 
like oh, her brother and her brother's telling you like turn the light off and she doesn't turn the light off and of course you know right Dr. Alan Grant and the other car is like turn the light off and you're like like the kids know enough I think where the you know her brother's like turn it off like because he can you know see that or whatever like right they, like just turn it off uh and but I do think they do really good especially the latter half of the movie like uh, Ariana Richards who plays Lex has some like really good solid facial expressions like where the scene yeah. where she's the yes, scene she where does. like she's about to eat the jello and she sees like the velociraptor like walking like behind her the shadow from like, the shadow yes. like her face is like priceless in that scene and it's so yeah. and he's well looking done. at her like what's going on what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. she doesn't even have to say anything you're like oh shit yeah exactly my problem with the kid stuff i mean maybe i'm just being begrudging myself children wouldn't survive anything like this everything that they get through in this movie is like pure luck like pure, especially yeah. during especially during the velociraptor attack there is no real i mean there is some smart things that they do in that to kind yeah, of distract 100%. them and all that but a lot of that stuff is like accident slip on the ice all that stuff like oh god okay like that kind of thing like there's a lot of stuff that happens in that scene that's like okay I mean, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> yeah, there's enough, I think, in that scene in the kitchen because it's great. Like, that, I'd say that that is one of the scenes that most emulates like a horror movie. It's like one of the more tense scenes in the movie where like they're navigating through the kitchen and the raptors get through the door. But there's this awesome scene, and actually, it threw me for a loop. I've seen this movie probably five, six times, but I forgot this part. When do you remember when um, Lex is hiding in like the dumb waiter or like the little, the little oh, yeah, 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 cabinet, and he's, like, trying to close it and then. Yes, and then yeah. you see the raptor sees her and is running at her, and you think you can't get the door down. She's toast, and then it runs into the wall, and you realize it was only her reflection. Actually, yeah, that he that he the raptor was here. It's like, oh shit, I forgot, and I thought that was yeah, it's such a good, good misdirection. Like, <laughs> she's not overpowering in it. Yeah, misdirection yeah. is exactly what's happening. It's like the raptor just fell for its own trick. But you're right. There's a scene where they're trying to they're, they lock the freezer door, and like there's a raptor on the other side, and it's like really this thing would blow through this door with little Tim holding it, but somehow he's able to fend it off and close he, the door so yeah there's a little bit of that little tim outruns it on a limp and I told yeah, earlier yeah, that, on a limp. and we're told early in the movie that the raptor is just as fast as like a cheetah and i'm like oh, yeah that's right all right all right kind of disappointing i don't want to see the kids die i mean guys anyone listening to this i don't want to see them <laughs> hey i say you know there's there's two of them that's perfect chance of you know you only need one to get that velociraptor. i think it would add to the realism because you're totally right there's no way they'd survive this but again this is a movie dealing with you know resurrected dinosaurs so you got to suspend your belief but yeah i i'd be okay with it maybe i wonder how michael Crichton's novel goes <laughs> with the kids yeah that was i mean not popular it's, it's not in vogue to kill kids on the screen yeah and i will say though as a kid the stuff with the kids is pretty exciting stuff because you kind of feel like you're them so when you're watching when yeah. you're young as a younger viewer watching it i never found them annoying it's when i got older in the beginning parts of the movie it's like oh these kids are kind of annoying in the beginning but they 100%. do but, but they much like, like they, alan grant yeah much like much like they grow in dr alan grant they grow in the audience yeah. too, i think so throughout the I movie 100 i also like the relationship or maybe the lack of defining the relationship between ellie and dr alan grant where it's not like full-blown like is this a romance like what is it it's just like it's never really like stated too much or like and it's I just... think the movie is very much better off for that uh yeah i think there's just stuff in their scenes together where you can tell like oh there's history or something or like but like it doesn't really i'm glad that they don't really go into it where it's like 
they have there's this like kind of romantic connection between them like it's whatever it is it's unspoken and it, the movie doesn't need it but i do love their chemistry together right. though like even because it's not like forced at all like they no it are, feels very believable between well, yeah really, they're really Robert good together Kahn. yeah uh, so i I, do, I agree with you though i like that they didn't really like kind of because in the movie like this they could have easily made that romantic pairing like hey, i'm kind of surprised that they didn't like it's honestly i think a symptom of like any 90s movie like there's this forced kind of lame actual aspect of it or romantic aspect of it and yeah. i'm just very grateful that this movie doesn't force that on any of us i just think like the, the foundation of their relationship they just you know they're honestly like a like kind of like work husband and wife and they have this respect for each other in the work yeah. that they do that i feel like it doesn't really go beyond that because you get that scene where i'm pretty sure jeff goldblum kind of like insinuates that he's going to hit on her, and he does hit yeah. on ellie yeah, throughout the car. The yeah, yeah, yeah. He kinda, especially he, he straight up like asks alan if he's like oh is there something there are you guys blah 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 and alan doesn't really answer he, he doesn't step up and say yes like you know know your role and i think that's yeah. just perfectly ambiguous enough yeah i wanted to point since we're talking about their characters when jurassic world dominion came out laura dern did an interview with the sunday times and it was picked up by variety and they actually talked about the 20 year age gap between her and sam neill during the making of the movie and what oh laura dern laura dern was tw- laura, laura dern was 23 years old when filming started and then wow. uh, and then he was uh, of course 43 during the shoot and but they said that neither actor was too concerned with their age age gap of their characters or their whatever romance was in the movie and she said i am 20 years older Oh yeah, he says I'm 20 years older than Laura Neil said, which at the time was a completely appropriate age difference for a leading man and lady. The age gap being inappropriate never occurred to me until I opened the magazine and there was an article called Old Geezers and Gals, people like Harrison Ford and Sean Connery acting with much younger people. And there I was on that list about acting with Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. I thought, come oh on, my. it can't be true. Then Laura Dern said, well, it felt completely appropriate to fall in love with Sam Neill. And it was only now when we returned in a moment of cultural awareness about the patriarchy that I was like, wow, we're not the same age. But she said there was less focus on it when they were making the uh, the movie back then, uh, which I guess, I mean, I it's not something that really, as a, I remember I read this uh, when Jurassic World Dominion came out. I was like, first of all, I didn't know she was 23 when she made the movie. Uh, that was some- uh, so <laughs> reeling from that right now. It's really weird to think about. But you really don't get the vibe he's significantly older than her or there's some kind of I like huge age gap between them no not at all this is the first i've ever heard like i never honestly really found myself wondering what the gap i think laura dern has this like maturity about like her appearance where she just looks she doesn't look old by any means but like i would have probably put her in her like early 30s when this movie was yeah. being made i still shocked that she was 23 when filming started that is crazy and sam yeah. neill i mean i think he's aged wonderfully he's a very yeah, yeah. so he was 43 i think he looks very yeah. young and fit and healthy during that yeah. like i went right over my head that's really crazy yeah and apparently and order said she was less focused on her age and more focused on ensuring her character pushed forward female representation on the big screen and she compared ellie put in that same category as sigourney weaver's ripley from alien as I was, movie character. Uh, that as- came to mind yeah, as movie characters that change Hollywood's view on female action heroes. And she said, it's really moving. A lot of women in tech and science point to a similarity between Ellie's heroism and women in their field. And that's nice to hear. So I think that's, I think she represents that too in the movie. I, her character is really strong. I think it's interesting. Like they're, they're fleshed out just enough where you just don't really need to go too far into like their backstories. But Agreed. And I, and I think that's more of a testament of more. I mean, it's there in the writing, but I think it's more the actors, what they're putting 
forth and kind of bringing those characters to life a bit and maybe adding a little bit of nuance that's not on the page. Uh, I think that kind of helps with a lot of those characters. In the case of Jeff Goldblum's character, I, I just love Jeff Goldblum. So uh, oh, he's such I'm, a treat in this movie. I'm just, I'm just happy he's there. I'm just, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, he's just. He's, I think he's I think he's perfectly. the I think he's the voice of the audience because he's like he's so many times where he's like, oh, "What are you guys doing?" Like when they, they yeah. when they're going through the whole spiel about how there's only f- female dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, and he was like, "Well, how do you know?" Mm-hmm for sure and of course he yeah. has that that famous line that a lot they I mean they make fun of family guy and a few other stuff where he's just like life like, finds a way <laughs> so like that's so a that, great movie line yeah oh, so iconic but yeah he really is the voice of the audience even in a simple scene as when they're being chased by the t-rex and he's in the back of the car and he's just like must go faster must go faster <laughs> <laughs> like put it in the fifth yeah. like it's interesting because i don't think his character i, mean, I guess it's only purpose is to be that voice of the audience and that's great but like other than that it does he doesn't really bring as much as like you know sam neil or laura dern's characters do to the table but he's still i think an important part of the movie because i think you do need a sayer and he's the first one to be a sayer in the group yes um, that's really why he's brought on board in the first, i honestly kind of wonder why john hammond even wants someone who's not going to agree with the ethics of his park in the first place i love the dynamic that he brings and the philosophy behind what they're doing on the park that's my favorite aspect of the movie i would say is that scene actually where he says life finds a way like that whole conversation at the table and the philosophy and the morals and ethics behind it is i think like one of the stronger parts of that story to me and i feel like that must be a big part of of Crichton's novel and i think i think the thing that continues to stand out while i was watching it today because yes things go awry because of what dennis does and certainly doesn't help but like, mm. love that I love that the main kind of theme in the movie is dinosaurs are extinct for a reason. Like, yes. So like trying to like play God and bring them back in an environment where an environment that they didn't grow up in, environment that they're not familiar with, that's the real danger. And I love that that yes. is like in the DNA of the movie. So yeah, we can blame Dennis, of course. Yeah, that that's horrible. And what he does, it shuts off it sets off a chain reaction of really awful events. But that the whole conceit behind even coming up with a concept like a park like Jurassic Park is the dangerous thing. And I think that is what the movie does in a really good way. It tells that, points to that really, not like, it's not heavy handed, but it's enough where you're like, yeah, that's the real issue here rather, you know, rather Absolutely. than like the, the human error of the real area is like you're bringing a species into the world that it is not familiar with. It does not understand. And you're assuming based on what you've researched, (laughs) it should not be there to begin with. So you're assuming based on what you researched from the past that you're going to be able to have them in this contained control environment and be completely a okay. And not the case. (laughs) To add to that, I think like just something that might be a little bit overlooked is add like to, you said the human error, sets off this chain of events for everything that happens in this short time frame because the movie takes place only over the span of a couple of days and this yeah. is all kicked off by ned or what is that dennis sorry dennis, um, yeah. dennis yeah stealing the information and you know causing this uh, security malfunction and whatnot but as we see later the because of them you know filling in the gene sequence with the amphibian dna that these dinosaurs do end up being able to breathe themselves so that insinuates regardless even if dennis hadn't have done anything this was going to spiral out of control regardless because they are able to reproduce unbeknownst to the park creators and 
sure enough, that would have led to a whole bunch of other problems with, you know, more dinosaurs than they realized they had on their hands. And who knows where that would have gone down a long enough time frame. But uh, yeah. just harkens back to Malcolm's, you know, concerns over the, you know, what they're doing on the park and how they're playing God and standing on the yeah. shoulders of other people's work and, you know, just kind of experimenting and not taking the time to consider. I love this line of his. He goes, your scientists were too busy, you know, deciding trying to figure out if they could, but they didn't stop to think whether or not they should. And I think that's like one right. of the, you know, best lines delivered in that movie. And I just love that no matter what would have happened, take Dennis out of the equation, this still would have eventually it know, have went awry. Gone awry, gone awry. Yeah. I want to ask yeah. you, I mean, this might be hard to answer since you, you know, you've seen this movie and like, you know, what kind of, what goes wrong mm. in this movie, but right. in, in real life, if you could go to something like a Jurassic park, would you go? Would you feel safe going oh, to something like that? My God. <laughs> yes, I would go. I would so go. <laughs> I know it's easy to say, to sit there and be like, yes, no, like, and to think now having seen the movie and try and, you know, pretend that that's all these horrible things. And there's a million things that could go wrong or something like this. But I feel like uh, something of this magnitude would be simply too much, even for the most optimistic person to really turn yeah. their nose up to and not experience i mean no doubt something like this would be ridiculously expensive and probably only for the elite but if yeah. i could have my ticket to go i'm sure i would i'd be probably frightened but i would look at it as like a zoo on steroids i always find i find zoos you know amoral and like i have issues with what ha there's good sides and bad sides yeah, of zoos, but i'm yeah, fascinated yeah, it's, a, it's a chance that you don't really get to see you know these wild animals and i think like dinosaurs would be like that to the biggest extreme possible. So I can't pretend and think that I would not take the opportunity to go visit something like Jurassic Park if it were real. So, yeah. and I'm just trying to, you know, be very self-aware. I think I would, you know, be giddy to go see a T-Rex. I would go for the, you know, it's like a line in Jurassic uh, World where they say, I can't remember who care, which character says it, but it's like, they're not, you know, they're, people go for it for the attraction, for the, the blood and, and the guts and the bigger yeah, yeah. the teeth, the better. And I, I very much feel like that would apply to me as well. That'd be you, yeah, for sure. For sure. scary real life monsters, it'd be too hard to pass you're out. Like, you're like, I want to see you. Is that, is that something that... No, you're like, I want to yeah, see you the goat. A hundred percent I do. Yeah, in closest possible circumstance. But um, it'd be because of that that I would be, you know, deserve to be eaten for doing something so stupid. <laughs> It is what it is. I am who I am. But what about you? I feel like I'd be all right visiting like the mm. Triceratops cage and the Brachiosaurus sanctuary. All 100%. the plant, all the all the plant eaters. <laughs> I, I can't see how you could have any attraction with Velociraptors that would be safe. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that's a great point. Who <laughs> thought of that? I don't know, but not a great idea. I mean, plan. I love that even in the movie. And they go when they first go to like the Velociraptor, like where they have them stored, and and he's just going about how like how smart are they? What can they you know talking about how like the fence the fence is electrocuted, but like they was like oh well it learned after one try to basically try another mm. spot like so at one part like or so they're smart. Uh, of course, we learned yes. that you know throughout the movie when they're like oh how many are there and they're like well there's three but one's contained and they're sure like unless it you know figures out how to open doors and of course that next scene is just that really good shot of like the slow uh door handle of opening which is great but yeah i don't know how you could yeah. like have that be safe i don't think i don't know how it would feel about the let alone the that's what i'm saying like let alone the velociraptors how about the t-rex how are you going to keep something of that size contained i was going to ask you what to like what do you think the most formidable foe, at least in the first movie, is? Like, are you like 
What would you? What is the last dinosaur you'd want to encounter out there in the world? It'd be the Velociraptor because one, it's smart. Interesting. It's intelligent. He's smart as hell, and there's yeah, multiple of them. I mean, you know, with the T Rex, you could be still, and it's like, where'd you go? <laughs> so it's just like, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Velociraptor, it's it's smart. It has speed, so I could not run it. Uh, no, nope. I. Probably I couldn't have run a T Rex either. If you get a small enough crevice, maybe, but that's true. So yeah, my friend actually, I have a friend that doesn't love the scene where it's chasing the Jeep. As it was like, it, it could have caught the Jeep, and they're like, and they don't give a real reason as to why the T Rex stops chasing them. It just kind of does. It's just like he was always like, like, oh, I'm tired. Meal I'm, that I'm, bad. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I had a buddy that was like, I, was like, I don't get that. It would have totally like caught up to the Jeep. But I was like, well, I mean, it's, I think that sequence probably, I feel like something that would just add it to be like, yeah, we need more dinosaur action. Like, let's just throw this in there. And we got to go get, we got to go get Jeff Goldblum because he got knocked out earlier in the movie. True. <laughs> it is a short sequence. The chase isn't that long. I think it's like, because you get pretty much nonstop dinosaur muckage after that first initial the T-Rex, T-Rex yeah, attack, scene. Yeah. And then it comes back a few minutes later to chase him out in the Jeep. And I think that scene is like very appropriate in length. It's not another big drawn out T-Rex scene because you yeah. just had a really big one. I thought it was very appropriate, but I'd be interested to know, you know, maximum speed of a 1993 Wrangler and right. top speed of a T-Rex. A T-Rex. I, I, I believe that. I believe that the, the car could outrun it. Like I never really thought that that was inaccurate, but then again, I don't know the first thing about a T-Rex and how fast it can run, but yeah, to me it's, I wouldn't want to be out there anywhere near the T-Rex. That thing frightens me a lot more than the Velociraptor. At least it'd be, not that I'd want to be in the room with either one of them, but <laughs> that'd be the size of it that I find just innately frightening. And just, the it's really, it's so amazing. It's just enough to literally paralyze you. It's so scary. Yeah. That first scene with the attack on the, it's so well done. Like we talked about like the effects of it, but it's a really well executed scene of like, escalating tension too because i would say it's damn your textbook perfect and how you should create a scene and honestly you know what children in peril is going to make you feel something even if you think they're kind of annoying so there's that added aspect of it so you have the kids who are definitely you know they're not completely self-sufficient they're not like the adults so it's like oh they're in a really scary impossible situation they're in this other they're in this other jeep not too far off from where uh they're the kids are but like a good enough distance where it's like can't just are we gonna run out and go help them and get them and can't really do anything to help them no yeah and, i mean i Until love that they the guy, can. i love that the one guy like out the car and runs and hides in the bathroom and this is like the first player. example of her her first example of her being really great where she just goes he left us <laughs> he left us <laughs> like she's just so like so like dumbfounded by it and it's just the slow like the whole like looking into the car like before he even attacks them there's like a lot of just walking around and like what's it gonna do then uh, dude when he crashes to the top of the oh, car man. and it's that scene is just so well done and that is a good example because that's an animatronic for sure because it's touching them on the yep. like glass and all <laughs> yep. that and it's just so freaking well done and it's frightening too like to imagine being like if that was real to like be in that situation that's what i might agree with you that maybe encountering the t-rex would be pretty fucking scary <laughs> That's what I'm saying. In a, moment, in a moment like that, because you have the size, you have the roar while it's trying to, there's a lot going on in that moment. Yeah. What I can't fine. imagine that those, those children actors are acting at all when that animatronic dinosaur is like coming through that screen at them and it's yeah. right in front of them. Oh my God, it would be just, so easy just, to, to just scream your head off. 
Joseph Mazzello said that when it comes down on it the second time, the, the plexiglass broke. And it wasn't supposed to. Oh. So like, but okay. so they, so like, ev so everything that was kind of going on, where it's like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen, but their reactions are very real. Or uh, like they right. were. I mean, these are young kids, even though it's a movie. Uh, they were. Uh, oh, kind of they got their imagination. Yeah, yeah 100%. right, right. And One of my scene favorite scenes so well, in movie so, history. Yeah, it's so well done. Uh, and I do love that what they do to distract the T Rex. And then what? And then after through all that the too, flares. and then when he like knocks, he slowly like knocks the car over. There's like it's a series of unfortunate events that goes on through that entire scene, where it's like, all right, well he's he got through that. And then of course the car like falls over the thing too, and then they get stuck in the tree. <laughs> There's like a whole bunch of stuff that just ever can't go on wrong. On that go note, <laughs> the stunt work in that scene is crazy. When Sam, you have Sam Neill and uh, and the actress that plays Lex are on on that rope on oh, the yeah. cliff or whatever like <laughs> and they're dodging the yeah it's like <laughs> that is yeah, it's so good um, yeah and then the whole thing in this right after that you go to the the car stuck in the tree and he's trying to get tim out and then they get a race down the tree trunk before the car smushes them and then it falls on them kind of like charlie chaplin <laughs> you yeah. know kind of styles and i yeah it's like, very it's like slow it's very like yeah <laughs> yep and then he's just like we're back in the car again. The car. <laughs> yeah. well, at least, at least it's we're a, out of the tree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I love you. Finally, get a moment to breathe. Those two moments, like so, the moment where they're on the rope and she's holding onto him like so tight that he's like, he's like, that's, you're choking me. <laughs> like that's a moment of levity <laughs> that works where it doesn't feel like forced because that feels like what he would say in that moment. I and can't then believe he little... gets the words out because she's literally both arms right around his neck. Yeah. And yeah. like, and I actually the little bit of levity when he says what he says when they fall down the tree and they're back in the car. He's when he's like a yeah. little, it works though. It didn't feel forced. So like those little moments of levity actually uh, worked for me in the movie where it's just like, oh, oh they're really trying to be funny. Uh, now nah, I actually, yeah, I, feel really like no I feel like a child. I feel like a child might do that. A child might do that in that situation. Uh, I think so. Know, Especially a child with a grandfather that would do something like this, you know? <laughs> like I feel like they're very I feel like they're a very special set of grandchildren considering no who kidding. grandfather is. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I do agree. That's the stunt work in that scene is incredible. Uh, just really uh, well done and well handled. And uh, um yeah, there's a there's another pretty big stunt that I, I did have written down to mention is uh, later on when they are running through the facility like kind of outrunning the raptors and they go through the air vent and then they come on to the uh they're coming down these like scaffolding uh, i don't know what you'd even call those things these little like yeah. suspended platforms yeah. and they're jumping and they're forced to jump onto like the uh pinned up skeleton of the t-rex oh uh, yeah yeah and then the I, th I think that the raptor comes through and like dishevels it and then you have all your remain or your four of your main cast members are all on their own swinging suspended section of dinosaur fossil yeah yeah and i'm like that stunt is super impressive then they all gotta scurry down and they're suspended like many feet up in the air while getting like jumped at and attacked by raptors like it's just a lot going on in that scene and like the stunt work looks immaculate like very very hard yeah. steve really put the actors and crew through the ringer when this with this one i think so too and i think why we talked about how the kids were annoying in the beginning and they get better towards midsection mm -hmm. and ending of the movie I also, Steven Spielberg is really good at working with kids and he's done it a lot. Oh, absolutely. One of the and best. you yeah. can tell that like, because he still, I think has a childlike way about him and the way he approaches filmmaking and stuff. So I think it's easy for him to communicate with them. And I think that's why he is able to pull a lot of 
good stuff out of the kids and probably you know of course they're not doing like all the major stunt work they, they still had stunt people too but like they were still you know he still put them in a you know let them do things that they could do they probably felt very safe yep. working with him and then on top of like the veterans too in the movie like they probably felt really i imagine that steven spielberg has a very controlled kind of set where he know what's going on it's not chaotic and right i I mean of course all filmmaking is on a will oil machine but i feel like something that he would make is close to it as far as getting stuff done yes Uh, especially he's he was making movies for 22 years since time that this had come out so he was very much a vet while making this movie so i you know i'm not surprised i'm sure this went off without a hitch but you don't ever hear about any like anything major oh. happening behind the scenes on Spielberg movies. It's, yeah, never. It's just, you know, knock on wood. It's quite impressive yeah. with his career. You know what moment made me jump today? And I've, I've seen the movie so many times. It's uh, it's like when they're crawling. Uh, I don't know if they're up in the vent or wherever they're crawling, but then the raptor, like, pops up. And, like, yeah, she, it is and, like yep. yeah, and, like, it, like, I forgot that happened. And I legit <laughs> jumped when I was, like, sitting in my bed. And I was like, dude, that would, like, I mean, again, this is why the Velociraptors scare me, because they're just, yeah, the T-Rex is big and there's a war, but they're just fucking wild. And, like, and they come from nowhere out of nowhere and they can get to you (laughs) anywhere and then yeah so then right after that scene another great son she's kind of she falls out of the vent and is hanging on by a thread yeah and they hoist her up just get her leg that one bite snips at her jumps up oh that's a heart pounding scene too yep and then i mean you know what demon spielberg doesn't want to kill children but he's okay with like electrocuting one on the fence which, which is yeah you for a minute there you think maybe tim got it yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just like dude let go he's like trying to like you're like hey just drop yourself down i'll catch you and he's just trying to like do it yeah. all meticulously like dude, like, like oh i'm gonna jump he says yeah yeah i, I like, get it though being no like, doubt this guy this guy has got you through like, t-rex attack he got you through the tree thing he'll come on just yeah. trust him trust him just let go uh, i think he's earned his way there and i, I mean i, I um, love the, and then his hair the rest of the movie is just like psh, <laughs> because of he has a shock but i think that's around the time you really start to care about the two you're like oh, i don't want anything to happen to the kid even though i mean you would be okay with like one of them ending up a velociraptor meal that's not for, how i wanted to go <laughs> i'd want to you know, you know dinosaurs gotta eat too okay but that's not how i want i'm glad tim survived just to, just, like just because of realism I need one of the kids to get eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> here's here's my thought because I don't want to sound like a depraved motherfucker here. Like I I happy the kids survive, but I'm thinking like I think that scene where Lex turns on the light and gets the Rex back oh, over no. to them, well, like, they, it's well, clearly they... leaving. I'm like, if she gets napped up during that scene, I'm okay with that. <laughs> like that would have been the time to have it done. But you know, they get out of that scene. I think that's fine. But if it's gonna happen, that's where it should happen. But Maybe in another life. <laughs> you know what other one is low key kind of scary? The is it the, the Lopasaurus the one that has like the little things and it spits? Yes, the one that takes uh, out Dennis. You're right. I forgot all about that. Uh, I remember that's that... in the theater because it seems so innocent and nice in the beginning because he's all like making funny uh-huh. like little noises. It's like a like, dog like, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's like playing. Yeah. With but when you see that as a kid, when that shit first opens up and it's just like uh, so scary, and then whatever he spits in his face. That is a memory. <laughs> I have my youth having watched this movie is being scared of that. I think when it opens up, it's like big display on its face and is like truly shrieking at Dennis and then it spit, spits out his face. Yeah, that that terrified me as a kid. So on you're right. Jurassic, I can't believe I forgot about that thing. On Jurassic Park the Ride, which I don't think they have anymore, Universal Studios, they when you're That's on the shame. when you're on like the little boat because it's a water ride, they actually have animatronic version of that dinosaur that opens up and it just spits water in your face <laughs> while you're passing by oh okay <laughs> it's like it's a little cool little uh, little thing uh, 
little tidbit in case anyone remembers being on that ride and going to Universal Studios because it was a really fun ride. They had like a really cool Jurassic Park attraction, which unfortunately I think is what a shame. I've been to Universal Studios, I don't remember anything Jurassic Park related, but that would think be such an awesome attraction to have there. Dude, uh, it's just surprising Univ- it's not there. Universal had so many fun. They had that the Back to the Future ride was so much fun too. Like you are. You're that like, would be sick. You're like seated in this in car in a DeLorean, and then it's just a it's a video screen, but but you're moving around like you're going through like time and space, like you're in the car, and it feels like you're actually physically flying that through is this so in the car. Cool. It was so much fun, yeah. Uh, and then of course, new movies take over, and they like take place of like those rides, and unfortunately, yes. But segue, yeah, yeah. You mentioned something that made me think about. Uh, character in the new movies like when you mentioned it was a water ride that just got me thinking like i will praise at least jurassic world and the the sequel next one has a sequence too but i gotta say i really like that they they brought in the mosasaur i think that's one of my favorite dinosaurs in this series and it's only featured in those ones i think that yeah. dinosaur is probably that would freak me out the most because big massive thing that lives in the ocean and oh man those sequences definitely get to me especially the opening of yeah. the second jurassic world movie that is I'd say one of my favorite sequences in the series, even though that movie's meh, that opening is awesome. It's really good. But yeah, no, the movie uh, was freaky. I like I'm gonna throw this poll up when we when we promote this episode. But I, like I know your answer, but I'm gonna ask you. Um, All right. The T-Rex attack scene or the Velociraptors chasing? Which one's better? Which which? I guess the one that started. Right, I, I, I guess the I guess the one through the kitchen. Through the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hard. I love that T-Rex scene. I think it's one of my favorite. I think it's like part of what makes that movie so iconic. You could, you know, I think you could have this movie without the raptor scene, but not without the T-Rex. As much as I think the raptors add, and they're almost kind of like the main villain after a certain point of this movie after you get right. the T-Rex out of the way. But that to me, that, that T-Rex scene is so iconic and so special and so impressive. It yeah. takes the cake for me. I love the raptors and everything that they do in this movie. They have a huge part to play and everything they look just as impressive as the t-rex and yeah. it's kind of impressive there's three of them but no t-rex hands down but what about yourself i think when i was a kid i would have said the velociraptor scene because i i think it I think yeah. it st- stuck with me a lot when i was a kid because i remember the horror is more intimate i'll give you that yeah uh, yeah and you remember feeling like you got through that t-rex thing and being like all right well and when you're a kid you're forgetting about all the stuff you've seen earlier in the movie like you kind of forget like oh there's still like these other dangerous dinosaurs that are loose uh, so right. the, Velocir- the Velociraptor scene, you're like, oh, there's more for them to go through. And it is a really impressive, solid stalk and chase sequence. Uh, really just... Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, as a child, it's pretty scary. And I mean, it still holds up today, too. Uh, I do agree with you. I think most of what the movie represents in pop culture and how people identify it, the first thing they think about is that first T-Rex attack. And yes, and that's exactly I'll, my motivation for going with I, that shot. So many images are like just different shots from that scene are used when, the, when there's any kind of montage of like classic movie scenes that that gets used it's, the most from that I movie. I can picture now in, you know, and I'm sad to even mention this, but in years to come that Steven Spielberg's in memoriam sequence at the Oscars, when this day does come, I have a feeling that that will be like the ultimate sequence of like his movie making magic will be that that T-Rex roar for the first time, like the starting with the water shaking in the car as it approaches like that scene is just hard to put into words how like it makes you feel. It's just so yeah. impactful. Yeah. I will, I will say this too, going a little bit back to the children's stuff again. I 
this movie does a better job of setting up certain skill sets for the kids and using them in a way that'll pay off. Like we, we know that like uh, Lex is good with computers. So like right. the, what she's able to do to like kind of fix everything in the end so they can like get everything back up. Like, yes, I'm yep. glad that they like dropped that little tidbit about her and like, it's not like, oh, she just can suddenly do this. Like one Point. scene, the one scene that will always forever truly bug me in the lost world is you have Jeff Goldblum's daughter, who's a gymnast. They set that up, I guess, whatever, right? Yeah, it's cool that she's a gymnast, but I don't think she could, like, full-on get, oh, get, get a good, good swing kick in on a Velociraptor and, like, kick it out a window. Or however she kicked it out, like, the uh, little shack they were in. Um, yes, even, I, I, just, I remember exactly. That scene, so, for this rewatch, I had watched Jurassic Park maybe a year, year and a half ago. It was just rambling on TV. And I watched them. Oh, okay, nice. They, they show Jurassic Park and they show The Lost World right after. So I just watched both of them. And I still look at the screen during that entire sequence when she does that. And she's like, I know it's I'm like, supposed to think. Break. I know I'm supposed <laughs> to think that's cool. Like, that was a cool movie moment. Like, oh, look what she did. No. But <laughs> it's don't. just silly. Yeah. It's just silly. No, <laughs> but at least Purely... it's like yeah yeah at least in this movie it's like oh okay well yeah they're not jamming it down your throats like that's something that she could logically do like she's we talked about how she's good with computers and you know, absolutely like she's, like, she's like well she's like i know this like yeah she does so good for her like and even yeah, then she doesn't you know execute it flawlessly she goes through a couple of hiccups before she gets to where she needs to go find this right. file to bring back on like the power grid or the whatever it is that lets her lock the doors and lock the raptors out but you know she doesn't just I feel like a movie nowadays would be like we just have her like instantly do it right away with no problem and no adversity and not even right. a mention of her capabilities in the first place. But there's multiple mentions of her skills and her, you know, no knowledge on the computer well before she even has to implement it. And yeah. I feel like that's great. And on that note, this movie is like chock full of awesome foreshadowing and just acknowledgement yeah. of things later to come. I feel like that first um scene in the at the dig site in the beginning when uh when Dr. Grant is uh, telling that kid about how the raptors stalk and kill their prey, no, which is yeah. awesome setup for your character down the line, and then you get to see them in action. But it's this is well, well, well before they they appear on screen, and you already have a feeling, like, holy shit, like these things are not to be messed with. And he does a great job at you know, animating how they work and how, how they, they are to be feared, and it makes it lots of like, good stuff for that. It makes that whole like clever girl moment pay off, like <laughs> all that pay off. Yeah, how they, that's how right. They, uh, how they attack their uh, prey. It's but, almost like, how could you not know that there's three of them and that he's gonna, they're gonna draw you in on the one, they're gonna be on the sides, but obviously and you're the, not and there you're to the expert. Dr. Grant. Well, that's true. But yeah. I he was like, he was their expert though, right? Like, as far as like how they, you know, work and right. stalk and all that. But yeah, yeah, you one up him because they're, in like the I end, said, they're fucking yeah, smart. That's, that's right. why I don't know about the whole, like, back and forth about the whole T-Rex Velociraptor thing. Uh, intelligent creature like that would frighten me. Like. I mean, I know that, and I know it gets hundred percent in the sequels. They like they they can climb, they can like talk. I mean, not talk, but they can communicate with each other by the third one, mm. uh, right? Um, whatever. But the, the, simple, thing. the simple stuff they have them doing that first movie is smart enough for me. Where I was like, I think that's <laughs> better off. Like they're very intelligent, but I feel like they don't really like branch into the realm of like disbelief. I feel yeah. like that's one of the. I feel like one of the big mistakes. As much as it's cool to see how. They use the Raptors in Jurassic World and beyond. I really feel like they would have been better off like being like a menace instead of kind of being like a tool on the human side, if you will, for the most part. Yeah. I feel like they were better off as villains than kind of like trained dogs, like an act. Right. That the, yeah. I don't love that they use it that way. 
but yeah i mean i guess that's the interesting thing about jurassic world right and how they set up it's an interesting way to go about it i guess but i 100 really do. i don't but i do it. i, I, I do better. like them more as full-fledged like I like how we're calling them villains like they have like personality. I know, but that's but they but they are they are like the they are the secondary villains of the first one. After the T Rex is that's you know, right. him for a while. I mean, of course, both of those worlds collide in the end, where it's just like T Rex inadvertently saves our uh, in cast members. I, it's weird. They kind of flip flop. Like the T Rex ends up kind of being the antihero and saves them inadvertently from the Raptors, who are kind of like a secondary character who kind of become the main threat in the end. But I'm really glad you brought that up because I. I don't think I ever really noticed how bad it was until this watch because I just I want I split my watch up in two parts. I finished it today, but you yeah. do not hear that T Rex enter that building at all. It just literally comes out of nowhere. There's, it's like where the fuck did that thing come from? There's like two. So, there's, been, there's been two separate scenes where they've indicated like these whole like doom doom like it's coming right you're coming from miles away and, yeah and that scene at all it's just like in there like you're like oh yeah i it thought about that too snatches like, the raptor <laughs> mid-jump it's like where the fuck did they come from i actually like almost laughed i was like really just kind of forgot how to introduce that character this time around i guess i needed yeah. to pull it out of nowhere and it works for the scene but if you stop for a second it's like how do they not notice this i think it's honestly well, I, kind of funny i don't really mind it but but it's what I like about that scene too, kind of what it shows that like for the T-Rex, there is this kind of, there's other prey more important than like what these humans are. Like, I mean, it doesn't really know what That's these right. things like like you know, like <laughs> we said it's like rare for this these these animals, creatures, whatever to be in our world now, because they didn't exist right. really amongst a bunch of us. So right. you know, his main like prey adversary would be one of those velociraptors so the fact that like that is more important that that attack and that kill is more important makes cause, complete cause, sense because clearly you know, even though <laughs> i like how we're joking about how he storms in the room clearly he, he <laughs> sees all the all those people are humans are there and they're there and it chooses to go right. after the velociraptor because that's what i it think it's know. from the perspective yeah it knows it and it's also the more you know satisfying snack it's probably three times the size of a human it's probably right. thinking in terms of food i'd imagine you know humans probably don't do much for, for Dude, a and he, act, take, but, uh, and he takes that they take like when he throws the one into like just basically into like the fossil bones of like jesus dude yeah like he wrecks them <laughs> absolutely those and, then, no and, then, and then that shot of like you know when dinosaurs rule the earth when that thing falls down and the t-rex just that. It's such a cool, it's iconic. So yeah, it's just so funny that there's so many cool, iconic shots of the T-Rex. <laughs> it's almost like we're bitching as if it's an actor in the movie, but there's so many shots of that thing that like are so, like, what do you use to show like your favorite moment with you know, right? Call my character it's with that. Such character. A, <laughs> I think I, it really is though. It just definitely feels like one, even though it's a. I wonder if they named the big animatronic they used for the the T-Rex, but oh yeah, I wonder it definitely too, feels like yeah. a character. It's hard to hard to say it doesn't feel like it has its own personality. It is very much present. And you're right, yeah. that shot of the banner coming down as it's roaring and takes out the raptors is like just top tier film moment, especially like yeah. for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, love it to death. Love it. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about John Williams, but his score, which I don't think was nominated for any Emmy Awards. Damn. I think Schindler, wow, I think it's tough. I think the score for Schindler's List was, and I think he actually won. I like I'll look it up just in case. Uh, yeah, the did he score Academy. both of Spielberg's movies that year. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, oh, wow. I think I will, oh, I'm gonna cool. want to clarify. I believe I read that earlier, but I pulled it up just in case. Uh, but I believe he did, and 
Yeah, he did. He did the music for Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. Uh, and I believe the music for Schindler's List uh, got the Oscar love. But this score is so memorable and iconic. I'm surprised that it, I was looking up to see maybe if it got nominated for any Oscars for the music. I'm surprised that it didn't. And um, those main two themes for the movie are just really, really good. Like, iconic. They stand the test of time. They honestly, they're bring back so much like nostalgia just hearing that music it's hard to imagine that they were overlooked that's crazy to me but on the bright side of that though it swept the oscars that it was nominated for it went three for three for effects and visual effects which would have been an absolute crime against humanity if that i wonder i wonder what it was against though i'm kind of curious i don't think it really stood a goddamn chance anything else going against (laughs) it Uh, also won best effects and sound effects editing and best sound which i mean yeah i can totally see that too but um, on the note of the effect, yeah, that'd be yeah. interesting to find out what it was. I kind of think I want to see what it was up against. Where I was like, was there any competition, like at all? Uh, I got one more point about that. If you if you pull up the list of nominees, this is one other thing I wanted to shout out. Effects wise, I'm surprised yeah. to see, not surprised, but I didn't realize. But uh, um, I guess so. Only uh, Stan Winston was uh, the effects uh, coordinator on this movie. I didn't realize that Phil Tippett, who we recently talked about, he his movie from last year, Mad God. I'd seen like very, very much love, but he does awesome to see these two great visual effects artists collaborating together. I'm I'm sure they've worked together before. I don't know, but I didn't expect to see Phil Tippett's name in the credits. He was he was I think the dinosaur coordinator on this movie. Um, <laughs> so funny, so, yeah, dinosaur Stan both won that Oscar. <laughs> Whatever he did on that, so I don't know what the difference between him and Stan did, but they both won that Oscar for the effects. And like it's just great. Those those two guys are the best to ever do it, if you ask me great to see that yeah. they both worked on this movie so oh, who was out who, who was up for nomination so uh, visual effects that year 1993 of course the winner was jurassic park uh, the, the nominees were cliffhanger uh the nightmare okay. before chris and the nightmare before christmas so there was there were only three uh, uh, but, only uh, yeah, yeah okay only three yeah they so i guess i'm jurassic park okay I think they, they probably expanded that uh, award in the subsequent years to include more i mean i don't know but yeah, there were only three. Uh, I've never heard of a three nominee category. They must have, because yeah. since I've never been watching them, it's always been at least five nominees in every category. So yeah, I agree with you. It would have been a crime if it didn't win. <laughs> and Actually, a, I don't think... and a, a young Elijah Wood presented uh, the uh, Oscar for that, and they oh, actually had like they actually had like a, li- a life size T Rex come out and uh, also come out. Well, not the life size, but the head, the head come out during the Oscar uh, presentation, which is kind of cool. That is super cool. But yeah, I love on William's score. I really like quiet moment at the end where that whole the whole T Rex thing happened with the Velociraptors. They've gotten out and they are just on the helicopter yep. and it's just really quiet and it's just like the main theme but played literally like soft and light yep. on the piano basically. And I that's like my favorite part of the music. Just it's so it's so good and such a good moment of like relief for them and then relief for the audience member mm-hmm. who's like gone through this with them. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's an entire two hour and some change experience that they they've had. Uh, I love the note that that movie ends on. It's like, okay, they get off the island and the helicopter picks them up and they're flying over the ocean. You get gets Grant is looking actually at birds fly over the ocean, and it's like harkening back to his theory about he thought yeah. raptors or dinosaurs evolved into birds and how they're so, so similar. I'm like, and then yeah. you're right. It's like that quiet score and they're flying off in the sunset. There's no big return home and everyone's swarming them with like press like you think it would be typical of a 90s kind of action movie sort of thing yeah anyway glad that it just kind of ends on them getting out and then 
just you know in that quiet moment of peace which they haven't had since they've been on the island pretty much great yeah. great movie to go out on it does like it's interesting too because you end on that note with like wow they're i mean those dinosaurs are still there uh, there, like, yeah. yeah yeah can we go from here can we go from but i guess you know there is no better way to end it i mean you got you got them off and it's just you know and this mode of like relief that like okay we got away and and yeah. i love the little quiet moments of like it kind of falls back to a lot of things in the movie like you know he has like the two kids with him and at this point like ellie's looking at him yes. like all right they've softened you like you hope they hold this whole thing like now he now his heart's you know grown three, right. sizes, <laughs> three sizes because <laughs> these, these children he had to protect uh, and again a little right. cool subtle moment between them that is like as characters as people who are together or whatever that whatever their relationship is like it's like a really nice moment between them too i think uh, character wise absolutely um and I'm glad too that the grand the grandfather, you know, John Hammond, he learns a lesson, even though like yeah, a lot mm. of good ideas on paper about how this could have worked, but you know, it's just crazy right. how like I also wouldn't want to be any I mean, of course any theme park, music park, whatever it is, it has to be tested by people. They have to go and like see if this will work. I know you said this you would go to the, you would you would go to yes. Jurassic Park, but I don't know if I would want to be a be test subject. Me on this shit. <laughs> I would I would not do that. I'd be like, oh, oh I don't want to be the one that like test this out and see if this works like, i'd be happy to i would be dinosaur chump whatever i will say this too about jurassic world the idea of it of that being unleashed in a full-on amusement park where there you know there's so many families and it's open like that i did like that part yes. of the movie too that it agree it creates a whole level higher of body like count. a higher body count a whole level <laughs> of chaos too that like you don't just get you know being stuck on an island in the park i mean like that you know, yes, I did like that page that they did for that for that movie. But, you know, I think uh, there's yeah. a lot to like about Jurassic World. Honestly, I like I like the whole aspect of like the genetic uh, like enhancement of the big bad. I can't remember what they call it, the big long name, but I think it honestly just plays on. It's kind of like a theme to compare between the legacy sequel and like how it plays on you know the uh, advances in technology from the earlier days and i feel like yeah. that is a metaphor for the the dinosaur the the big one in in jurassic world i think it's like a smarter movie than it gets credit for but uh, i think it's interesting too because i think like both though jurassic park has a similar is in a situation as jurassic world where jurassic park is this really kind of groundbreaking thing and then has these two follow-up movies that don't really live up to that first movie yeah and then jurassic right. world of jurassic world of course can't be groundbreaking and iconic because it's already been done but at least it kind of still be it, good it did kind of get you back all right all right this is better than that third movie it's better yep. than the lost world it's better paced than the lost world so okay we're starting over from scratch and this feels like a really good new beginning let's see where they go with this and then two follow-up movies that yep. just didn't live up to that uh to those and expectations I would argue too they follow the exact same path in the sense that the second one is better than the third. They did get shittier among those trilogies. Yeah. Just to I different agree. extents, but I think the Jurassic Park 3 is, I would imagine, legions above Dominion, but oh, yeah. has been uh, described. But... Which is crazy to think that, uh, but it is... That's a trend. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, how how could that be? The case? You know the filmmakers failed. I know. It's so... the dinosaurs. I know. that roars quick and like no i mean they banked on the i mean it made over a billion dollars worldwide i mean it still made money but it's jesus they really banked on like you know bringing back you know uh, jeff goldblum laura dern and sam neill and i did love seeing yes. them back in it 
honestly, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard felt like afterthoughts in their own movie. <laughs> they weren't, they didn't really have like a lot of development in the third movie. It was okay. kind of there. Um, so it was nice seeing the people from the first film. It just didn't, like I said, you had that one really, the second, that second movie is not great, but it ended on a note that could have been like, oh, let's see where they go with this in the third one. And yes, the fact that I was very excited about the third, the fact that they not only shut it down, but shut it down like in the opening. Basically, they're like, yeah, that, that we're not doing that. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You had a really good, you had a really good a idea there. Really good idea. It's a shame how often that really happens in cinema. Agreed. It's really, I don't, I don't know why it is that way, but oh well. Agreed. Yeah, no, two ended on a great note, but well, yeah. I'll get around to seeing it eventually. But now I kind of want to just watch Lost World. <laughs> it's so long. It's really long. And I still can't get over the fucking can... gymnast kick for the Velociraptor. I <laughs> and... really don't like that scene. I... For me, I remember like I just have a lot of love for the the T Rex getting. It has it has a good to mainland. Movies. Yeah, it has a good. Oh, yeah, oh, it does. Oh, you like that scene? Okay, okay. So I like the. Oh yes. So I like the T Rex. That was so like, cool. I like the T Rex scene on the island. It's pretty fun. Uh, very reminiscent of like the one in the first movie, like putting them in different right. situations of peril that don't all even involve just a dinosaur. And I think the Velociraptor scene where they're running through like the uh, that whole like grassy area where all the tall it's pretty tall and like the velociraptors are yeah, taking those people like just they're like snatching them down like one by that's one. that's a that, sweet scene that's cool but we're about to disagree real hard real quick i hate i hate hate i hate i hate i hate the t-rex on the loose in san diego sequence and the lost world is that right uh from what i understand i want to look it up just in case i thought they made it okay, you might have some insight uh, let me uh, make sure just in case but, I'm looking How it up. Get like, there. Explain remember. to me okay. why you like it. <laughs> sure. I'm, okay. So I'm a little bit removed. Like maybe my opinion will change after hearing why you, your critique of it. But I'm just thinking. I'm thinking at the time of the second one comes out. How can you make your sequel not just a rehash of the first one of you know these people traveling to this island where we already know that dinosaur shit has gone down and killed a bunch of people? What's going to separate this movie from the first one into? that cherry on top i think the only thing or the most pragmatic way of doing this is do what the audience wants and give you what's going to happen if you bring one of these massive things to mainland where it can really just wreak havoc and i think it does a great job of of leashing that thing and like you said i didn't realize it was san diego but in the public it's the scene where it eats the dog where it creeps through like the house and the little girl wakes up and sees it and the carnage of it going down the street and like all the cars swerving off the uh, road. I'm like, that is what would happen if you were to look up and see a T-Rex down your street. So it's like right. a little bit cheesy, <laughs> but I, I oh, think it man. just adds a lot. <laughs> what so, you, what's your your with this movie? Jurassic Park. This is Jurassic Park adjacent. I the, so I was like, maybe that scene's in the book, and I found out later that it's not. So like, but oh, you can oh, and okay. and then and then I could tell. It feels very tacked on. It feels like almost yeah, like, oh, agreed. like the b- movie should be over by now. And I think I was already just so mentally checked out by the thing. I was like, all right, this is just already too <laughs> okay. long. Then I just thought it was just silly. <laughs> the whole thing is just silly. Like, I, I, I might think that upon rewatch. <laughs> just roaming through the streets of San Diego. I was like, oh man, this is so bad. Like by the time we got to that, I was like, I all hope for it being anywhere as good as Jurassic Park died was gone <laughs> yeah in that sequence i thought that in 97 and i think it now <laughs> okay yes yeah, so i don't remember necessarily like how that scene relays in, in terms of like the length and 
pacing of the movie because I just remember that sequence from the end and like it's one of my I, I'd say like sequences I like the most in the sequel but I'd be interested to see how that all goes upon a rewatch and seeing maybe I will be done with the movie by the time that scene comes but I just thought it was a way to make the sequel stand apart from the first one and I can yeah. appreciate that and I just like I'm biased I just like anything with a T-Rex in it uh, oh maybe that is kind of why I really yeah. appreciate that scene can't so, give me enough T-Rex so in the book they say on once they arrive on the island they say there for the entire duration of the book there's no San Diego sequence at all and it says the film goes picture for a studio <laughs> saying yeah, yeah bring, bring it to like, the mainland what thought that would I mean maybe he did I don't know I want to have more faith such a goddamn good time filming his movies. Like, what else can we do? Uh, it says the, the film goes for a bigger King Kong inspired finale in which a T Rex shipped over to the mainland by Ludlow, who plans to open an improved version yes. of Jurassic Park in Southern California, Rex Havoc throughout downtown San Diego until it's lured into a trap and sedated by Malcolm and Harding. Uh, again, 97 uh, review Crichton stated that the title of his sequel was meant to serve as an homage to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's 1912 novel The Lost World which centers around an expedition to a remote jungle setting populated by prehistoric creatures uh, yeah they kind of just threw the San Diego thing I it feels like a studio thing like you said but maybe yes yeah, what I'm over. thinking maybe uh, well hearing you mention that it's so in vain of King Kong I'm like that is definitely what it maybe it was a spielberg thing because you mentioned how that was an inspiration and i'm thinking yeah how else can i pay homage to this movie that inspired me to make this one you're right it's totally it's the same ending as kong minus the you know the monster dying right i agree but yeah yeah never that never even crossed my mind but that is totally what that movie's trying to do damn it uh, but <laughs> i mean, I mean if, yeah if you love that scene i'll let i'll let you have your san diego it's been a few years oh, though you know, you know things exchange we'll see yeah. i like it right now I almost turned like when I when I watched it like over a year and a half ago when it was on TV. I almost turned the channel. I was like, "No, nah, you got you got through the story. You might, you might as well just finish watching it, even though completionist I, I hate, at heart." You said, "Yeah, I watched it at that point. Or like this, I hate this scene so much." Uh, but whatever, it's there, and I'm like, then some people like it. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure we can both agree though. The first one is magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Eat uh, thoughts you want to add before we throw in some fun facts about the. Uh, I. Yeah, the only thing I think I have written down that I didn't we didn't uh, mention is it's back. I mean, we praise the animatronics and the effects of this movie through the roof as we could do, I'm sure, you know, till we drive people sick. But the other scene I think that uh, just looked magnificent is a uh, birth of the raptors, like as they're coming through the egg. Like, oh, yeah. Kind of halfway through the movie when John Hammond is there, like kind of coaxing it out of its shell like that. Yeah, that looks real. It looks like you're just watching it come out of the egg. It's yeah. very, very awesome scene. And just a hallmark of the great use of effects and animatronics in that movie. But anything else I think we got to that I wanted to mention. And I, and I yeah. know we talked about how the gore was toned down, but we still get some gory. I mean, Laura Dern like has to chill on an arm. <laughs> she like, falls where she... That's right. Another scene I remember from my childhood. That yeah, I, think, me out. I think we get yeah. a goat leg thrown on top of the car uh, before we, we watch the T-Rex devour the goat. Uh, see a T-Rex, you know, a guy on the toilet. I mean, we don't see what fully what happens to it. Uh, right yeah but yeah uh, you know uh, the Loposaurus takes out dennis it's not graphic but like you know this dies. right so um, freaky and the Oceraptor also uh takes out uh towards the uh one that's hunting them uh there right. i mean it's just it's just like i mean i i would love to maybe i'll read the book and see how detailed it is as far as the gore because i imagine i mean I would love it, would, the book. it would make sense for there to be a lot in it because like once things go once things go awry i mean it wouldn't 
and you have these kind of predatory animals and stuff going after folks, it wouldn't be a pleasant sight. So, you know, no. I, of course, but of course they're toning it down for a PG-13 rating. So everyone can happily go see this in 1993 and, and right. the studio and studio can make all their money on it. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out. Cause there is still, there's still, there is some, still some unsettling, like little images in it that, that aren't, there aren't too much, it's, but still are like, that's right. Especially for Spielberg, which I'll give him credit for. Like, it, the movie does shy away a little bit, but not too much. And it does give us, it does deliver on the gore and like horror aspects. So I will commend it for that because I don't think many of his other movies really splurge. Like, this one does maybe like Jaws, but do wish if I could change anything, I would say I'd like to see. I get what it adds to the scene. Uh, Sam Jackson's character's death, I think, would have been cool to see, but I eat into that scene of Lord Dern thinking he's behind her and then Hi, she pulls his arm. Yeah. So I get, I, I'm not too, I'm not going to get hung up on that, but yeah. anyway, there's just a lot, you know, it would have probably been cool to see, but speaking of uh, Sudi making the money, have the dad in front of you, how did this movie do? Right, or you, so... uh, do you want to save that for a different point Then feel free? No, no, no I, I think that's, I think that's a good uh, kind of way to start like the fun facts about the film. Uh, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I'll give you the hard money. So Jurassic Park became the highest grossing film released worldwide up to that time, replacing Spielberg's own E.T. The Extraterrestrial, which was released in 1980, wow. 1982. Uh, in 1993 money, it made $3.1 million on Thursday night preview screenings, which would have been a lot at the time in 1993. And then it opened to $50.1 million in its first weekend on 2,404 theaters, breaking the opening weekend record set by Batman Returns the year before. The film would hold that record for two years until 1995 when Batman Forever took it. Upon opening, it became mm. the first film to generate $50 million in a single weekend, and it grossed $100 million in a record nine days at the time. It remained at number one at the box office for three straight weeks. It eventually grossed $357 million in the U.S. and Canada, ranking second of all time at the time behind E.T. Uh, Office Mojo also estimates the film sold over 86.2 million tickets in the U.S. in its initial theatrical run. And worldwide, oh my God. that's crazy, uh, worldwide, um, at its original run, it made $914 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing film ever at the time, surpassing E.T., its record lasted until the release of Titanic in 1997. And then following its 20th anniversary re-release in, in 2013, Jurassic Park became the oldest film in history to surpass $1 billion in ticket sales and the 17th film overall to do so. Oh, oh and uh, this, is also, this is also shocking to me. Only cost $63 million to make. It's a $63 million budget. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we're so wow. used to bloated 200 250 million dollar budgets now that it's i was really shocked when i saw that number it can be done it can be done people i feel like i mean no doubt the practical effects would have been expensive but i, I help but feel maybe like not the reliance on cgi not not yeah. to say there's not any in there but I wonder if maybe like that's maybe where some of the budget was allotted to but uh, that is very crazy very effective use of the money but i feel like a lot of that due to spielberg being a 20-year vet at this point probably knows how to allocate funds to his movie yeah. uh, that is very surprising to hear though i wonder what that would be in 2023 dollars it'd be interesting to compare but regardless that is very crazy it's marketing budget was two million dollars more 65 million dollar marketing budget uh, said universal oh, took the lengthy pre-production period yeah to carefully plan oh that's great yeah 65 million years in the making yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 
Universal took the lengthy pre-production period to carefully plan the Jurassic Park marketing campaign. It cost $65 million and included deals with 100 companies to market 1,000 products. These included uh, three Jurassic Park video games by Sega and Ocean Software, a toy line by Kenner, distributed by Hasbro, McDonald's dino-sized meals, and a novelization for young uh, children. The film's trailers provided only a fleeting glimpse of the dinosaurs, a tactic journalist Josh Horowitz described as that old Spielberg uh, feeling of never revealing too much after Spielberg and director Michael Bay did the same for their production of Transformers in 2007. The film was marketed with the tagline, an adventure 65 million years in the making. This was a joke Spielberg made on set about the genuine thousands of years old mosquito and amber used for Hammond's walking stick. Uh, I, I, there's a lot going on with the marketing uh, movie at the time it was everywhere i I love i I just love the one i love the poster like the poster like that's the image of still so iconic yeah i mean they've you know of course tried to create that for all the other peoples and stuff but yeah that first one is just right and i believe that was like the one one poster for the movie that uh, was released it's like really (laughs) really really good yeah as far as um its reception when it came out uh According to Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very fresh with 136 reviews on it. I love that score for that. Yeah, consensus reads Jurassic Park is a spectacle of special effects and lifelike animatronics with some of Spielberg's best sequences of sustained awe and sheer terror since Jaws. Then uh, CinemaScore audiences on opening day gave it an A. Uh, CinemaScore. Uh, I was trying to see if... It, so, I was, so, I mean... There's a, Roger Ebert gave it three stars out of four. That feels like a more of a and a half. I mean, I know it's like definitely, if not yeah. a four, I might bias, but I love this movie. It means that Roger Ebert was like, it's good but not great. Uh, kind of yeah, like, where does this movie lose points, Roger? Tell us. Oh, he here it is. Say. He said the movie delivers all too well on its promise to show us dinosaurs. We see them early and often, and they are indeed a triumph of special affects artistry but the movie is lacking other qualities that it needs even more such as a sense of awe and wonderment and strong human story values uh, uh, <laughs> i don't know about that i okay and there is there is a lot of awe and wonderment by the way there's <laughs> literally more than you can even handle but i don't i don't i don't agree with really either of his critiques not that i think like he's wrong but i don't feel like yeah. this movie really needs that that second part that he said, I remember how you worded it, but the feeling of yeah, the human. Uh, uh, he said uh, what he said there. Human, said. Uh, most strong human story values. Human story values. Yeah, yeah I don't think that is like that necessary in this movie. I think the situation that the our heroes are thrown into alone is enough to really get this movie off the ground and keep you in awe. But interesting. Uh, Henry Sheehan of Sight. Sight and Sound countered that and said the complaints over Jurassic Park's lack of story and character sound a little off point. And then he made a point to now to, to Alan Grant's uh, character art of learning to protect Hammond's grandchildren despite his initial dislike of them. So that's like, I mean, that's still Absolutely. as a character, yeah. that's character growth. Uh, if you don't really want to, uh, all of that, but it, it was. As far as the film's legacy since its release, uh, critics and industry professionals have often cited Jurassic Park as one of the greatest movies of the action and thriller genres. The movie is also an example of a techno thriller as well because of the use of uh, technology to try to create or bring something back that maybe we shouldn't. Uh, American Film Institute named Jurassic Park the 35th most thrilling film of all time on June 13, Mm -hmm. 2001. Uh, 2004, Empire Magazine judged Jurassic Park with 
the sixth most influential film in the magazine's lifetime. They also called it the first encounter. Uh, they oh, the first encounter of solid special effects of, in modern uh, cinema. In 2008, uh, the whole of Empire readers, uh, makers, and critics also rated it as one of the 500 greatest films of all time. Uh, 2006, IGN ranked Jurassic Park as the 19th greatest film franchise ever as a whole. And uh, 2010, mm. Paul, the readers of Entertainment Weekly rated uh, Jurassic Park as the greatest summer movie of the previous 20 years when they did the poll in 2010. Um, can see that. And then they said it was also, uh, most importantly, Jurassic Park's biggest impact on subsequent films was a result of its breakthrough use of computer-generated imagery. The film is regarded as a landmark for visual effects. Film historian Tim Schoen said of the film's innovation and influence. In its way, Jurassic Park heralded a revolution in movies as profound as the coming of sound in 1927. Many filmmakers saw Jurassic Park's effects as a realization that many of their visions, previously thought unfeasible or too expensive, were now possible. And then ILM owner George Lucas, realizing the success of creating realistic live dinosaurs by his own company, started to make the Star Wars prequels because of what they did with Jurassic Park. He was inspired to make those because of how effects had grown since he had his original Star Wars trilogy. Stanley Stanley Kubrick decided to invest in his pet project, AI, Artificial Intelligence, which he later got Spielberg to direct. And Peter Jackson began to re-explore his childhood love of fantasy films, a path that led him to the Lord of the Rings and King Kong movies. Jurassic Park also inspired films and documentaries with dinosaurs, such as the American adaptation of Godzilla, Dinosaur from the Deep, Carnosaur, uh, Sore Island, Walking with Dinosaurs. My, a lot of people love dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and it's just a very, you know, important uh, film for the industry. And, you know, like like that, what he said, when he said that it's heralded as a revolution in movies as profound as the coming of sound in 1927, that's a that is a compliment. compliment. Yeah. And- I feel a, a warranted one as well. Like it's definitely in the in the in the vein of uh, effects that they had come from and what they did for movies after that. It very much feels like a uh, as important a sound. Like I'm trying to think of we're not like a renaissance, but like almost kind of like this pivotal yeah. moment where we see where the industry goes from there. And yeah, I think it's awesome to hear this movie get its praise this song because it's hard to put into words how special it is. And I feel like all those reviews do a great job of really summarizing the impact of this movie. And it's just nice that it got this reception because it's just so worthy of it yeah it's cool to hear see that george lucas who's seeing his friend do this yeah like oh this is what he's doing with these effects for this movie and this is what i can maybe do with star wars now i mean for better for better or worse i mean that's a whole nother uh, that's a whole nother show (laughs) (laughs) that's another can of worms but that's cool that like he was like hey like it was so innovative for someone like him that saw that was like hey this is what we can do now with like this technology and uh right and i think this is one of those movies where it's definitely this is not an underrated thing at all i think it's universally known for what it it did for visual effects and uh really ground, groundbreaking it's in cinema and then it's just a fun little adventure movie too on top of all that you, you have really fun characters and and despite that it is I would I could argue that's a little bit of a slow burn because nothing really happens for for like the first the first hour, but I guess what makes that first hour work so well is that you're getting all these little like Easter eggs and tidbits about like what could go wrong, and right. when those things and then when those things start going wrong, you recall that first hour where you're like, oh yeah, they mm-hmm. kind of said this is what could happen. If, uh, it's I think yeah, it was excellent, excellent setup and payoff. I think in this movie, it does a really good job of 
that telling you a lot about the things you're going to see later and preparing you for what's going to happen and then de- really delivering on what it had promised earlier. Yeah. It makes and me wonder reason- if you get, you get Jurassic Park today, like as you know, as the one movie, this is like, it's coming out today and it yeah. takes like an hour to get to, you know, real action. Does to do today, <laughs> does today movie going audience, do they watch this and go like, oh, I'm bored or are they in for like, the ride, I guess. I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. people's view, people's viewing habits have changed a lot, and they're less patient. Yeah, they have. They very much are. Uh, to say, hard to really predict, but you know, I definitely feel like need a lot of action in mainstream movies anyway. Um, sooner than an hour within your movies, or you know, you're gonna hear audiences giving it a one star, saying it's boring. But uh, I mean, that's just yeah. I feel for mainstream stuff. But yeah. you're definitely right about habits having changed over the years. But no, I think this movie's paced excellently. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah. Some other little interesting behind the scenes stuff. Uh, this movie and the book generated so much interest in dinosaurs that the study of paleontology has had a record increase in students uh, since release. Uh, also said the T-Rex occasionally malfunctioned due to rain. Producer Kathleen Kinley recalls mm-hmm. the T-Rex went into the heebie-jeebie sometimes, scared the crap out of all of us. We'd be like eating lunch and all of a sudden a T-Rex would come alive. At first, we didn't know what was happening, and then we realized it was the rain. You'd hear people just start screaming because it would just suddenly, like, just come alive on set. That's hilarious. <laughs> you imagine? That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Michael Crichton intended John Hammond to be a dark Walt Disney. However, while possibly unintentional, the character is also similar, uh, similar to P.T. Barnum, which is kind of true too. Uh, uh, yeah, bit. true. When Michael Crichton was asked why the novel has Jurassic in the title and has a dinosaur from the Crustaceous period on the cover, he replied that had never occurred to him and admitted that was just the best looking design. <laughs> so stop, you know what? Stop, being, stop being nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. It's funny, though, that it doesn't necessarily line up. But I think that's led to like some kind of like uh, misconceptions about just yeah. the different p- periods and eras of dinosaurs, but sure. whatever, I think for the best. Yeah. Ariana Richards' uh, Lex, uh, audition consisted of standing in front of a camera and screaming wildly. Steven Spielberg wanted to see how she could show fear. Uh, uh, she said, I heard later on that Steven had watched a few girls on tape that day, and I was the only one who ended up waking up his sleeping wife off the couch, and she came running through the hallway to see if the kids were all right. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> now that, that's a good audition. Williams scored the movie at the end of February 1993 and recorded it a month later. He felt he needed to write pieces that would convey a sense of awe and fascination, given it dealt with the overwhelming happiness and excitement that would emerge from seeing live dinosaurs. And I think that's what that music totally does. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, definitely does. Uh, crew had to have safety meetings about the T-Rex because it weighed 12,000 pounds and was extremely powerful. They used flashing lights to announce. <laughs> they used flashing lights to announce when it was about to come on to alert the crew because if you stood next to it and the head went by at speed, it felt like a bus going by. Jesus! Holy <laughs> smokes! Twelve thousand pounds. That's crazy. That is a fucking prop. Uh, James Cameron has stated that he wanted to make this movie, but the rights were bought a few hours before he could bid. Upon seeing this movie, Cameron realized that Spielberg was the better choice to direct it, as his version would have been much more violent, uh, Aliens uh, says, which wouldn't Uh, have been fair. He said wouldn't have been fair to the children who relate to dinosaurs. Uh, Yes, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) I would have loved that. Cameron would have been a good person to direct this too, if not Steven Spielberg. I think so too. Uh, it's difficult effect to pull off was the vibrating rings of water. 
Steven Spielberg wanted the T-Rex to announce his presence, except for at the ending. I just added that in for your sake. <laughs> to somehow. Uh, that's <laughs> the most difficult effect to pull off. What? Yeah, somehow before the audience saw it and got the idea from watching the mirror in his car vibrate from the base effects while listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, Michael Lentieri <laughs> tried, when he tried to recreate, replicate that with water, it was harder than any of of the dinosaur effects. Nobody knew how to do it, but told Spielberg they could. The night before the shoot, Lantieri put a glass of water on a guitar, and when he plucked the strings, that did it. So for the scene, they fed guitar strings under the dashboard to get the effect. A man on the floor plucked the strings to achieve the effect of the water vibrating. That's crazy. Interesting. Now that rang a bell. I had heard about it being related to guitar strings for the when I didn't realize it was that difficult. It took them that long to figure it out, but that that's hilarious that that little effect which i mean it's very impactful but in the grand scheme of things is very small that that would be the most difficult one to figure out that is uh it's kind of ironic well, very yeah. ironic after joseph mazella was turned down for a role of jack banny and steven spielberg's hook steven spielberg said that i i do want to work with you and i promise to put you in my next movie and he put him in jurassic park wow, like, and that worked out that worked that's out. awesome uh, really uh very well for yeah, him. That's all. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a lot of other fun facts to read about this movie. Um, there's a ton. Uh, or the list, I mean, but, uh, list. But those are some interesting ones I thought would be uh, really cool to share. And uh, absolutely, yeah, and I'm glad you did. Your final thoughts on uh, the film? Just my, full? my final and your score. Too. I just wanted, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. And in our fashion, I wanted to ask what you uh, you rate this movie, what uh, how it holds up for you, and what your overall score would be in whatever way that you wish to rate it. Uh, it's, it's like mm -hmm. perfect. It's like perfect to me almost. I, but it feels <laughs> weird to give it like a 10. Like, that's, I mean, I, I don't have, leaning, man. But I don't have any issues. I don't have any, it don't have the, any issues that like Reaver has as far as like character development and like, I mean, nope. like all that. I mean, yeah, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I think it's, and again, like when we give our scores for these, we know there's like a different kind of litmus test on how to like, great films uh, but this is i think one of the great ones so i mean it is the pantheon in the pantheon of really great movies uh, absolutely man, i don't think anyone's I, gonna I, argue I with the there abd score is an 8.2 out of 10 that's pretty damn good for a movie like this on imdb honestly uh, so i looked it up too and i had from the last time that i had watched it i rated it an 8 out of 10 stars and i don't know really what i'm thinking because after this last watch i'm thinking like damn that's a 10 out of 10 movie like i had nothing to take away from it it was just hits everything right there's so many things i love about it and uh, just can't Sing its praises enough. Ten yeah. of my books. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Ten in mind as well. I mean, well, I've said it before about Steven Spielberg. I don't compared to most filmmakers, hard to recreate that like childlike, like oh, this is movie making. This is what movies make you feel. And I think because right. Spiel, I think because Spielberg feels that himself, he so easily conveys that in everything that he does. And this is one of those really good examples of him creating something that like. You know, he knows that like a young kid's gonna see this and be like, be like, yeah. Even though, even though, inspired. Said, even yeah. though Roger Ebert said there wasn't a lot of awe and wonderment, and there's a ton of awe and wonderment in the movie. I don't know what um, movie he was watching, honestly. I know. I mean, sometimes, that's, sometimes I think critics be in bad moves when they go to the screening. Sometimes, <laughs> like, yeah. I would love to see them reevaluate and watch it again. You know, like, uh, I'm sure, many but, yeah. times they think, "What the hell was I thinking?" But yeah, uh, but yeah, that movie captures that uh, for me in a really significant way i really uh, love it be, i couldn't agree more it's a test of time i can't believe it's 30 years old uh, it's again, we, like, you, get, you get one of those timeless movies that just doesn't look its age and doesn't feel its age it feel like it came out yesterday and that's a 
God, to be a filmmaker, to have something that came out in 1993 that still feels ever so relevant and present and timeless. Yeah. He has a bunch of those in his really filmography, special. but this is but this is one of them. So uh, that's my thought on that. We're both 10 out of 10s on this. So yeah, I'm very happy with giving Jurassic Park a 10. I so my. I think that's the first for us where we yeah, both yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 at the same time. But if it's going to be any movie, let it be Jurassic Park because that movie really, really lives up to all the hype and all the you know legacy that it has behind it. And if there is anybody in the off chance listening that has not yet seen Jurassic Park, let this be reason that you see it because, man, that movie is truly special. You've not experienced really awe-inspiring cinema, I don't think, until you've seen Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, which turns 30 years old this month. Very, yeah. very crazy thought to think about. And, you know, Jurassic Park was a huge, big summer movie in 1993, and we are in the midst of summer movie season uh, in 2023. Yes. And we have a big, well, we seems like it's going to be a big movie. I can't tell anymore. A big oh, movie coming out. Uh, it'll be big. Yeah. It's maybe not as big as it was led to believe, yeah, but there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't do predictions last week because we had a 100th episode. Transformers uh, did open last week. It was right in, in line with tracking at 60.5 million dollar opening weekend uh, kind of what i would have predicted as well uh open to 171 million dollars worldwide uh, of course a huge hit in china they love it over there uh, i yeah. think i think globally transformers will be okay uh, basically it'll probably see a drop because it's actually going to be competing with uh our boy the flash uh right uh, actually you know what? it was really big competition this weekend too the second weekend of uh Across the Spiralverse did really well. It, only, it dropped fifty four percent, but it was still a fifty five million dollar weekend. It is already yes, out. see that tomorrow. It already outgrows Spider Man into the Spider Verse domestically and worldwide. Uh, it's made two hundred twenty five million dollars. Oh, wow. <laughs> two uh, hundred twenty five million dollars domestically. The first one made one hundred and ninety point two million domestically. Uh, this did this still got a ways to go. It still got a ways to go, and it did this in two weeks, guys. So congratulations to the team of. Yeah. Uh, Spider Verse because I saw it and it's amazing. Uh, Jackson's seeing it tomorrow. It's really top notch. I don't, I'm trying to figure. Out, I'm still trying to figure out where to rank it uh, in the like, Spider Man mm. films, but it is really well done and uh, I should definitely uh, check it out. But uh, very excited as, for that. As far as the Flash, uh, a lot of pre-release hype before it opened. Started at mm-hmm. Cinema. Well, actually, you know what? It started before CinemaCon. It started with uh, C. Cohead, James Gunn. Right, saying saying yes. that it was saying that it was one of the best comic book movies he's ever seen, and then Warner Brothers Discovery CEO also said the same thing. Then everyone made jokes about how many comic book movies has he seen. Um, <laughs> and then at a CinemaCon, a lot of critics who saw it early also said one of the best comic book movies ever made. Certainly the best DC movie ever made. There were a couple critics that mm. went there that were like, oh, "It's good, but not that great." Calm down, guys. Uh, right you know then they were doing all these early press screenings i didn't go to my early press screening two weeks ago because i found out um and i they happily gave me and my brother imax codes to go watch it when it opens uh weekend so thank you for that okay but but they weren't showing like a full version of the movie they weren't they weren't really showing parts of the ending because they wanted to keep it a secret uh i didn't oh. want to see the movie and i didn't want to see the movie twice if i didn't have to <laughs> so yeah fair <laughs> enough <laughs> so uh Again, a lot of fan screens, press screens, on the praise on if you go on Twitter and just hashtag the flash, you will find so many critics who are loving it. But then the Rotten Tomato score came out and they after they lifted the embargo last week, as of this mm-hmm. recording, 
this recording it's a 71 percent fresh rating that's not a bad score but it's certainly not no the, the second coming of jesus the way they were describing it mm, for comic book movies not <laughs> not in the top tier of superhero movies even dc movies that kind of score and to be honest this is more in line with what i expected from this movie even from early i didn't trust anything from warner's ceo and james gunn i have no doubt that they are very proud and feel like it is a great movie i have no doubt it is but when those people who have a stake in this movie are saying it is greatest or at least on par with the greatest superhero movie ever made yeah you lost me that's just not how i really want to see the movie start it's Man, it's rhyme, you know what I mean? I just start hearing like this is the best comic movie since The Dark Knight. I'm like, those are those are big shoes. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> really big exactly. shoes. Exactly. Rarely would something really live up to that. And I didn't really think that it was going to be this movie. But I still think 71 is a great score. And I'm honestly kind of relieved because Rotten Tomatoes, especially with superhero movies and Marvel and Disney products, uh, in particular, they're really bad for I don't feel they really reflect the 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 true score of you know movies like this. So to see it at yeah. a 71, buy that. I can get behind yeah. that score. And so far, the 71% is pretty good for the DC releases because you know some of them aren't very good. Yeah. This is uh That's so this right. is good for them. Many of them. Um, but what, ha- what happened win. when that uh score got dropped? The box office tracking shifted a ton. So right now, mm-hmm. as of this recording. Yeah. I last week it said they were predicting a seventy million dollar opening weekend. I looked again today; they dropped it to sixty eight wow. million dollars. I can't tell if they're lowballing or if they really feel that uh, there is hype. I mean, there. I mean, for people that especially love Michael Keaton as Batman, there's a lot of hype for that. Um, I it's so weird when I saw those numbers, I was like, that's so low. To put it into context, Black Adam had less hype, and that is around what it was tracking before it opened to like 68 oh, okay i feel like this is a low ball situation so yeah i think so too uh the movies jc he was like really thinks the esmer miller factor is a problem for some people uh yeah it's keep it's keeping them and it's keeping them away i didn't think it was going to be as big of a detriment as uh, it be turning out to be but i am seeing a lot a lot of professional critics that i associate with and talk to can't feel desire to support the movie because they feel like they're supporting them and that's okay. fair uh, it's a big debate about because some of the negative reviews on Rotten tomatoes call out the fact that they didn't really enjoy it because of watching ezra miller not his performance but ezra miller as a person and i don't right. think it's part i don't really think it's fair to rate a movie based on your personal disdain for someone because that's I've not why that's not where you're supposed to be reviewing no um, exactly so like yeah, we have to take that to a grain, a grain of salt too. That's where some of these negative reviews are coming from. But I guess the Ezra Miller factor is a big deal for some. It is keeping some away. I I agree with you. I think being lowballed a bit. Yeah. Sixty. I mean, sixty-eight, 68. seems low. That does seem low. This is a two hundred and twenty fifty million dollar movie. Uh, it needs to do well because it's. I mean, this is supposed to like reset the DC universe as we know it. Uh, oh man. I- Knowing that's a budget, I mean, I knew it would be high. That's the first time I really heard the figure, but that's trouble. If it doesn't, if if it doesn't even hit tracking, which I'm thinking, even if it does hit tracking, which I think is low end, it's seventy. Yeah, considering how much it's going to drop off. A lot of these movies, big movies like this one, like Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, is tracking at sixty million dollars. Like even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull had a bigger, a much bigger opening than that. Mm. It's crazy that these like big movies that 
tracking now and a lot with indiana jones that had to do with like the early reviews at the film festival yep. that didn't help at all uh this is a that. this is a really good example of me like i reading hype for the flash in real time and it felt like all right this feels like a 120 130 weekend kind of movie it felt that way kind of what i expected yeah um now i don't feel that way anymore but i also don't feel like it's this low 100 i couldn't agree with you more i don't think it's going to be this low but i don't think it's going to be in the three figures but i have a number in my head if you still want some time to think no, I, unless you i'm going to go with 90 million opening weekend i don't okay. think okay i does cross in the triple digits uh i you know i wouldn't be maybe there's enough goodwill there for you know michael keaton batman fans a lot of people are maybe looking forward to this to kind of push it over into that territory uh, i think that's gonna find track, a lot of money I mean, for him alone tracking would have to be tracking has been off before but you have to be way off if it is able to go 100 plus <laughs> the weekend percent. Uh, but yeah i'll go with 90. Okay, I like 90. I mean, like, I was initially thinking 85, and I'm going to bump it up a little bit just because you went <laughs> higher than I even thought. I'm, I like 87. I don't want to be too far behind you, but I was, the 85 was the first number to come to mind. But uh, this this movie has a much steeper climb than I thought it yeah. did. Uh, even break even, and let alone, like, they don't make movies with this kind of price tag to make a few million dollars. Obviously, they want this movie to be very successful. So this is, uh, I say, very not looking great from the from the get-go so yeah even though uh, the score i'm sure is no doubt reflective of you know the movie but tracking and stuff that's worrisome yeah well we got 90 from me and 87 from you yeah. uh, ezra miller walked the red carpet tonight i mean interviews of course but like walked okay. the red carpet at the premiere i mean first public sighting in like a long time this this was their first public wow but yeah a lot. and so i when i so i read i saw the article pop up and i actually know i might get shit for this because there's so many people that don't feel sorry for ezra miller i like watched the pictures and i'm sure this must be a very nerve-wracking experience for them too if it really is like a no mental doubt. a mental health issue and and that's what the problem is and i think hey yeah. let's say they what got else? the help that they needed and like rooting for someone to be better right. and if that's and if that's the case then i hope that is what's going on you know it's weird like some people that are you know the court of public opinion is not as forgiving man it, it is no it not, is not but there was but there was part of me that was looking at those pictures and wondering like it just must be so hard for them to like at least you know putting yourself out there to like you know people are going to say something and like you know there's going to be a lot of talk and i'm sure maybe there are people shielding them from that uh, a little bit He's also a grown-ass man, yeah. too, of course. But, like, uh, a little bad. And I know, he, know that Ezra Miller is not someone that elicits a lot of empathy uh, at the moment. Mm, but Definitely not recently, no. But, but um, yeah, I feel it's a little I'm With bad. you, though, I, I'd stand by that. Like, I have empathy for anybody going through really obvious mental health issues, especially ones that lead you down a path where I believe they're facing criminal charges, which are still yet to be dealt with. Being said, I mean, it's kind of hard to find the line. Like, yes, they've, I don't remember the nature of everything that happened with this. So I, I remember some things when they were coming out in the media, but obviously, you know, some criminality I lost, involved. I lost track. I lost track after a while. I, like, I oh, lost yeah. track for a while too. <laughs> but it's easy to point the finger when you hear about these things, but like, you know, mental health is its own beast. And obviously yeah. Ezra has been suffering with quite severe issues and it's easy to point the finger and, you know, not support a person when they do these things. And I wouldn't blame people for not, but. It's obviously a very complex issue and one that I think requires a lot more help than they've probably received in the amount of time 
has right. elapsed since these events and this premiere. So I think yeah. there's still some work to be done. The, granted, I'm no expert. I don't know what they're going through, but yeah. I, I can't help but feel, you know, it's, it's nice to, you know, have some sympathy too. I, I'm not alone. Yeah. Being said. Well, well I hope we will see how this all, well. I hope it does well. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish any Just, film to have like, a disastrous result nah. financially I, I want films to do well so uh we'll, we'll see well, yeah, well you're, you're like you're like some movies deserve to some movies deserve to flop gas yeah definitely yeah uh, but it's good for the industry for them to do it well so i get your perspective but yeah as this time next week we will be uh how this movie opened and i'm excited yeah. there's probably some other ones we'll have to check in on and see how they're doing at the box office too i we never really chatted after the first week, Little Mermaid, and I'll want to probably come back to Transformers, but we can save that for next week because yeah, uh, it's going to be. We'll, we'll kind of do uh, the fly kind of idea. We'll just kind of do like a kind of progress report so far because we're already through. We'll be through a lot of June, yeah. like May and June. Exactly. For some of the summer, it's a great idea. For the, for the summer releases. So we'll kind of see where things yeah, are standing. See how things are doing. Yeah, where things are standing right now. So you'll hear that on our next, not the next, next episode because we have another anniversary episode we're recording this week that will come out before. Right. Uh, Next Friday's episode, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we cover uh, news and box office again, uh, going to keep the anniversaries cranked out. Uh, we're getting this one first on Thursday, and uh, the Harley Wait 25th anniversary episode will be released on Monday because we're recording that this week. Two very different anniversaries. Uh, one very iconic yeah. uh, Steven Spielberg movie, and one could argue one very iconic late 90s teen comedy that kind of came out uh, during the golden age of late 90s uh, movies. Yeah. Uh, Starring a whole bunch of people that you will recognize from the late '90s, so that was going to be a fun one to revisit. It'll be doing first time watch for me too, so I'm excited. First time watch for Jackson. Uh, have Mark J. Parker from the Release Date Rewind podcast on that episode as well. Uh, the perfect person to be on because he loves that period of movies, much like myself. Uh, it's going to be a Fantastic. fun little, fun little uh, visit with the class of 1998. Maybe bust out our your your books and kind of see uh see what I was doing in mm -hmm. 1998. Uh, you weren't doing much <laughs> i was i was in my mother's womb for most of the years so <laughs> that's right <laughs> but then i popped on the scene uh 17th of this month actually so i'm celebrating my 25th birthday this this weekend so i'm excited for that yeah but yeah no i love that period of movies too a lot of great 98 flicks it's a, it was a great year yeah. for i busted on the scene and a great movie or a great year yeah, after yeah this, so. you're a good year uh that year 1999 is like another good uh movie yeah year. I, you, were, you were born during a good time period yeah good definitely ones. was so Absolutely. so there'll be a can i have experienced the movie before there'll be a first time watch for you it'll be interesting to see like you know I mean, you're from a 2023 lens what you think of yes uh, this this uh 1998 movie comedy very uh, excited to lend that perspective on yeah on this and, when we talk about it as always be as honest as you can be even if it's like even if it doesn't hit you the way it it hits yeah. us. Oh, it'll I will still, be. It'll still be a fun one to revisit. But yeah, we have a we have a ton of anniversary episodes in June. We're not gonna be able to get to all of them, but we're gonna do as many of them as we can. Uh, we've even asked to be guests on some of the June ones that are listed on the calendar. Uh, so look forward to a lot of those and uh, more industry news episodes. And we're probably gonna be cranking out some other special episodes here soon because we want to make the next 100 episodes of back to the blockbuster as memorable as the first 100 so Absolutely. that's the idea we're not slowing down that's the idea here folks all right so jackson uh send us on off absolutely guys well thanks for joining uh, another anniversary episode a very special one where we celebrated jurassic park turned 30 years old this year it's been a blast talking about this movie i 
just was so overwhelmed with how much I enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. And I hope uh, listening, if you feel inspired to go watch it, you guys let us know on social media what you guys thought. Always, we've been back to the Blockbuster. You can find us anywhere uh, at handle on social media or wherever you guys get your podcasts. Gas has always been a pleasure talking movies with you, my friend. And I'll see you later this week where we discuss our next episode where we discuss Can't Hardly Wait. And uh, this has been back to the Blockbuster, guys. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Peace. Boom.